Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a complicated man, and a man who has watched a lot of movies recently, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the man who hates my holidays, and future marriage victim, Will Everett. Will, how are you? Uh, sweating my balls off, mate. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm alright, actually. Um, I don't really have a, We're going to get into the show quickly this week, but I don't really have a question this week, more a statement, but I'm off to pick up my copy of NHL 20 tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. Oh. That, I think... I was just gonna say I know next to nothing about this, uh, this one this time around. Like, yeah, I've I've seen a few of the the laughable alumni teams, but that is about it. NHL gets a lot of grief, which I think is mainly for the um, ultimate team and the uh, uh, God the online league thing we talked about last last uh, time. EASHL. EASHL. Yeah, that's it. It gets a lot of grief for those, but I think the offline career mode, the franchise mode, is probably the best one out there. Because I, I sort of, my, all my friends have got my friends have got the baseball versions and NFL and NBA Two K and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I honestly believe the NHL version is the best. And they've done even more stuff this year, like coaches. And now coaches will have an effect on players. If you've got a young team and you've got a coach who likes veteran gritty type players, that team just won't gel. So you have to fight. You have to then try and hire a coach that fits in with your sort of you know your major stars like chemistry and all that kind of thing as well so i think then, it's going to be good again this year how's how's that actually i know it's hard to say cuz you haven't played it yet but how does that actually affect the like does that affect gameplay or like is it more of just just simming games it's develop so it's development and things like that so if you've got a young for example if you've got a young team like the Toronto Maple Leafs and their head coach likes to play the 40 year olds um for <laughs> that'd, the last, be, that'd sort of, be a terrible match wouldn't it yeah, six, seven minutes, then it, it hinders their development. Whereas if you've got a coach who obviously will develop young players, he'll play them more and get them game time. And then it, you know, it speeds up their development. There's, there's loads more things with, um, with scouting. And so now if you've got a medium elite player, there's no guarantee he becomes a medium elite player. That's his potential, not what he will be, which is, which is what it's been before. So now if you screw him up and don't play him enough, he'll just be a lower elite or he might even be medium top six in the end. There's no guarantees now with what you draft. They've nerfed completely. You know, like you can hammer goalies, but you can draft like... Fran- I, I had four franchise goalies on my last save of an NHL 19 and I picked them all up in like, I think late second, early third rounds and it was ridiculous. And then you can just trade those away. I think I sent a message to you and I, I had something like 47 draft picks one year. Because I had, I had some like four franchise goalies traded two away for even better players, and then ended up like using all that for picks and more players, and you can just juke the system. And they've really stopped that this time. Like goalies now, their trade value is way, way down. There's maybe one or two goalies throughout the whole of the whole of your career on the game that will actually be that valuable to a team. So I'm really looking forward to mid October when you text me and say. Oh, I fucking hate this game. I can't win the cup and then have the first overall pick next year. <laughs> I said to you, yeah, don't I? I always say to you, like, you can juke the game, you can cheat the game so easily for draft picks in, in franchise mode. It's ridiculous. And I think that's something. It seems to me that the NHL, the, the offline version especially, the franchise mode, EA actually does listen to fans and listens to their complaints. Ultimate Team and EASHL, I've got no idea because I just don't play them because they're just rage-inducing and the best way to deal with them is to just not touch them because I think I think those are a bit... I think those can be a bit scripted and a bit cheaty sometimes because I've, I've seen it myself both sides where I've won games that I should have lost and lost games that I should have won. So, But I find the offline mode a lot more, a lot more realistic 
especially because you know obviously you can set your own sliders and everything so you want to make it difficult you can which i like to do so I, th- I think the one thing that i'd like to see implemented for for me personally for a franchise mode is because i've been getting back into fifa recently their whole system of like actively training your players with the little drills and stuff and even like the drills in the loading screens and stuff like i think that's such a nice little feature that i yeah i don't know exactly how well you'd implement you know, drills and stuff into an AHL game, but I'm sure there are ways you can do it of like, you know, passing through the gates and stuff, skating through the cones, X, Y, and Z. Just little, those little mini games. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. I just think it's a nice touch, especially for like the young player development and stuff. Like, it doesn't, it, it probably makes it easier to, to develop young players, but it doesn't make it a sure thing. And yeah, it's just a bit more interactive and, and just a nice little feature for it. That's good, yeah, because you'll see players doing that kind of training, don't you, on the mm. ice? They'll have like ten pucks lined up, and you have to like dangle in between every single puck and stuff without moving the pucks and stuff like that. That's a good idea. I really like that. Maybe I maybe it's in there. I don't know. Who who's to say? And it's it's good for like for your own development of the game and stuff. Like yeah, I'm I'm I don't play as sports games as religiously as I once did, and I'm nowhere near as good as I once was. Even then, I wasn't incredible. It's nice to yeah. If you fail a drill, there's ways to learn from it and stuff like that. So it's. Just a, a nice little feature, which would be fun to see. Maybe for the next show, I'll have a book report ready on NHL 20. <laughs> I expect you'll have somehow already played through three seasons without sim in a single game. So, yeah, I'd, I'd expect it. <laughs> That's true, yeah, because I, pl- I play the game. I don't just sim them all. I, I play a lot of the games as well, like physically move the players around instead of just simming. So, yeah, I expect to take over my life for the next couple of months. As it, as it should. As it should. All right, then. Should we start the show? Probably should. Alrighty, it is time to bounce around the world. I shall start this week with the Australian Ice Hockey League. The AIHL, the season is over, and the Sydney Bears have been crowned the Australian Ice Hockey League champions for the first time since 2007. Mm. I know we've mentioned the uh, yeah, I know we've mentioned the AIHL, AIHL before, but I thought with it being the uh, the final, the Good Old Cup as it's called, we should probably cover it. The Sydney Bears beating the Perth Thunder 5-2 in the final, and actually Perth had taken a two-goal lead, which must have been, I mean, to take a two-goal lead then leave five, then lose 5-2 is just an absolute killer, but. I think the best story coming out of this was there was a, a veteran player on, on the Bears called Vladimir Rubes, who is 48 years old. Jesus. Yeah, he's been with the club since 1999. He actually, he actually had a three-year stint where he retired to coach the team and then came back in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, we're just not getting good enough players. I've got to get back on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you're all this bad. I'm 48 years old and I've got to lace them up again. But it's hey, as the as the age old saying goes, just make it to the playoffs, and you never know in hockey because they finished the season in fourth place, and they beat the regular season leaders, the CBR Braves, in the semi final to uh, to get to the finals. And the Braves had actually won 26 of 28 games in the regular season. But, so it's basically maybe, the, the Blue Jackets knocking out the Lightning. But I was going to say, except the Blue Jackets end up winning the Cup kind of thing. With, um, with I don't know, who's... I don't know, who... No, I can't, I can't think of a good old 
Blue Jackets player, which uh, you know brings us back round to that terrible alumni team on NHL twenty. Also, so maybe maybe Rick Nash comes back. <laughs> yeah, but in like in like ten years. In ten years, yeah. <laughs> Rick Nash comes back in ten years. The the other amazing stat about the season was the Adelaide Adrenaline finished the season after twenty eight games with two points, which was two. Two over two overtime losses, so they didn't oh, pick up a no. single a single regular season win. Oh, mate, that's that's quality. That is not unbelievable. That's beautiful. You know what they need? They need some more uh, some more OAPs to come out of retirement and and lace them up because <laughs> that's clearly what uh, what the AIHL r- like runs off of. Maybe every team next season is going to try and find these 45, 46 year old players to come back and do a, and do a job. Go go through like their rosters for their inaugural season. Like, who have we? Who have we got? Ah, Jimmy Schmidt. Let's uh, let's get him involved. <laughs> so there we go. Sydney Bears. Congrats. Great season. Fantastic. I don't have a league this week for Bounce Around the World. I've got a team, Dan. That team is EHC Vazud Schellenberg, who are Liechtenstein's oh, yeah? only ice hockey team. Oh my. God, that's amazing! Isn't that just beautiful? Country of thirty thousand population, have one team. I've got twenty-five players. <laughs> they've been going since uh, since the mid nineties. The the games they play are basically just like friendlies with uh, with Swiss teams generally. I think they were in. There's not a lot of information on them in the same way that you know your local beer league team doesn't have a plumbing website and stuff like that. They seem to play in one of the Swiss leagues for a while but it's not really sure how long that was, and they definitely don't play anymore. Crazy, like an entire country with one ice hockey team. The fact that they've got one, it's not even like they split up and thought, yeah, all right, let's let's just make two scrimmage teams and we can just play every week or whatever. Like, nah, stuff it, this is our team. We'll have one team in the entire country. And I, I don't know, I suppose they're Lichtenstein's answer to the Globetrotters, maybe? Or just, just <laughs> yeah, crazy. maybe, I don't know. I am hoping there's going to be now... Who did the com- who was the sponsor of that commercial? You know, when Crosby met the Kenyan ice hockey team. Oh, and it was, was it Tim Hortons? It was Tim Hortons. Yeah, wasn't it was Tim Hortons. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that was Molson, but no. Maybe maybe Lichtenstein's answer to Tim Hortons oh. can get Sydney Crosby over for a uh, for a game against the Lichtenstein Eleven, oh, whatever man. the hell they're called. Just have um yeah, EHC Vaders versus the what they the Kenyan Lions. Or oh that- yeah, just get them together. Why that makes not? perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. If it, it feels like, like you know, obviously thirty thousand people isn't a lot of people, but for like a, a country in Central Europe, like they share a border with Switzerland, I think. Like you'd have thought they'd at least have like two teams or something. You have more than twenty five geezers in effectively a town that are interested in hockey. That is insane, though, that a country of thirty thousand people has an ice hockey team. I mean, yeah. that is bizarre when you think about it. Of all the sports. I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess it does get, you know, I guess it gets, if that close to Switzerland, it gets cold over there. It must be quite close to the Alps and all that shit, but, yeah. and, you know, plenty of mountains, but still. Yeah, beautiful, isn't it? Beautiful. <laughs> and they've been going for more than 20, <laughs> for more than 20 years. That's amazing. Mate, isn't that just fantastic? There was actually, uh, I'm reading out a second team in Liechtenstein, H.C. Uh, <gasps> Schellenberg. Oh, hold on a sec. Oh yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah, they, they lost. Uh, they lost a loser leaves town match or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got <laughs> this country ain't big enough for the both of us. No, they got <laughs> they got absorbed into EHC because <laughs> why wouldn't you? That was a merger. You know what it was. You know what it was. Was it? What was your, the other team was called HC Schellenberg? Is that right? 
Yeah, so Schiller Berg. You know they were. You know they were really good, but the first team was really rich, and the first team was like, "Oh, screw this! We're just gonna buy you. Sod it. Now you don't exist anymore." That was it. <laughs> well, like they they all just jump ship, and, yeah, and play like, "Well, might as well fold this." They just became hired guns for the rich team, <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, the story of Lichtenstein hockey. What what more could you ask for? Oh, mate, that you know what? You get a little clap for that. That is an amazing find, Lichtenstein hockey. Fabulous. Not hockey news this week. I've got two things. My first one is a quick one. I've watched, as I said at the start, I've watched a lot of movies recently. I do this every six months or so. I will catch up on all the things I've missed at the cinema because I have a family. And, you know, the cinemas are bloody expensive around here for some reason. But I did watch Crawl, the alligator movie. And I hadn't even heard of this film. Yeah, mate, it is amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I watched so many films this week. I watched I watched Black Klansman. I watched Vice. I watched uh, The Predator. Oh god, there's probably like four or five others that I watched. That I just forgot. I watched Yeah, You Never Really Here. And then for a joke, for a just for a laugh, I put Crawl on, thinking, well, it's Jaws with alligators. It's going to be one of those funny kind of B movie type. It was absolutely amazing. I was. It was the best one of my top five films of the year. Phenomenally well made. Not cheesy. Not stupid. When people are in trouble, they just kind of... It's not their fault, really. They just kind of get caught in a bad situation. The alligators aren't... There's not just one big alligator scaring people. It makes sense why they're there. There's a flood. So, like, a, a river kind of burst it bank. It's, it's banks in Florida. So, of yeah, course, the alligators are kind of is. there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, obviously, because it's in Florida, alligators just kind of live there. So, obviously, once it bursts its banks, the alligators can kind of go wherever they feel like. And obviously they're just looking for food and stuff. So it's not like they're just secretly attacking people like they're kind of these supreme beings. No, they're just doing what they would do in the, in the river. The lead characters do get kind of attacked and they don't just run away scot-free every time. Oh, mate, if you get a chance, watch it. I am recommending Crawl. It was an, an amazing movie, an amazing movie. You've, uh, you've done well to sell a film that basically sounds like The Meg with, uh, with alligators. I'll, uh, I'll, Dude, I'll do that. It, it was so much better. I can't even tell you. It was legitimately good. The Meg was just silly fun. It was just stupid and funny. It's giant. Yeah, that's funny. A big shark. But this was legitimately good. A legitimately good movie. I'll tell you, there's nothing funny about a big shark, Dan. No, that's true. (laughs) My second not hockey news was, and this is unbelievable. Did you hear about the kid that's gone blind because of his bad diet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, oh, what? He was eating like too many. Didn't he have fish and chips every day? He was only eating chips and crisps. Or if you're. In North America, chips and fries. Chips that was and all chips. he was. Chips and chips, essentially. <laughs> in England, he was eating chips and crisps. In North America, he was eating chips and fries. That's all he was eating, and it said it's it, the doctor who examined him said it's led to a severe vitamin deficiency in his body. And this young, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but this seventeen-year-old is now developed a black spot in the middle of their vision in both eyes, and they are slowly like going blind because of that's all they eat. It's it's horrendous, and they were they were warned by doctors. Like, your obviously doctors say you got a bad diet. That kind of goes without saying if you don't eat nothing but chips and chips. But yeah, they were saying like this is gonna be terrible for you, and they just like ignored ignored the advice. Like I was talking to to my brother-in-law about this the other day. Like it's it's a hard one because like they're seventeen, so to an extent there is like you know, personal accountability and stuff. But they're still a child, and for for the situation to develop to that point, that's such a failure by the parents. Totally, that's totally awful, 
absolutely you know, I you hate to you never know anyone's situation but like that is such a, a sign of something not being right with with that young person and yeah to be failed by your by your guardians in such a way that yeah, you're not going blind from eating nothing but chips every day I know it's chips horrendous all day every day it's terrible and here's the thing I'm going to get in a tiny bit of a soapbox here, and this may annoy some people, And but you know what? I don't care. If your kid is like five or six and has a gut that hangs over their pants, you oh. are fucking abusing that child. Oh, yeah. I don't give a shit. You are abusing that child. What I'm going to say now is not... It's going to sound funny. It is not meant to be funny. But my daughter's sports day last year, there were girls there who were like eight or nine, and they had tits. And I said to my wife, what the fuck... This is a disgrace. Can they not... Do they not realise what they're doing to their child? And I don't want to hear about your kid being picky or anything. You you find a way. You have to find a way to get your kid to eat other things so that they haven't got fucking tits when they're eight and nine. Like, it is a disgrace. And it one of the things that drives me insane. And I get the government has to be careful about sugar and blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, when your kid's like seven and eight, don't be giving them fucking bottles of Coke. And shit like that. Get them fruit juice. If they don't want really to drink water, that's fine. We've got our daughter drinking water, so she's kind of okay with it. But I get there's kids that are not. That's fine. But just try every single fruit juice. Buy them apple and mango. Buy them blackcurrant. Buy them fucking lemon. Anything. You can't just give them bottles of Coke and stuff like that. It's like, oh, God, it drives me mad. It's fucking awful. It's awful. It is. It is. And it starts... Yeah, it... You don't want to project onto other people. Because, yeah, like... <laughs> Let's make no bones about it, Dan. Like you and I have more fortune, you know. Despite any personal, you know, troubles or whatever or, or hardships we've gone through, we have better lives than you know the people who are living on the poverty line and stuff like that in in this country and all around the world. And it does make it harder. And you never want to assume on other people's situations. That said, these are these are behaviours and and arguably dependencies with the refined sugar thing that you're instilling on your child from day one, effectively from yeah. day one yeah it's not like suddenly they turn six and you start giving them coke and then they balloon it's that's going to come down to when they're a bloody baby and whatever's happening there but yeah yeah poor 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 kid terrible okay what have you got i've got a much more uplifting story about a man called Yay. richard keedwell from bristol richard keedwell richard was having a uh a day out or a holiday or something like that. He was in Worcester in 2016. Whatever he was up to, that's none of our business. Um, Richard gets flashed by a speed camera. As in, you know, caught by a speed camera, not someone impersonating a speed camera. Okay, Exposed yes, their genitals, just to clear that up. So he gets flashed in a, in a 30 zone. He gets a gets a, a nice little uh, letter from the Crown Prosecution oh. Service. <laughs> uh, I know what this is. This God, is the God. best thing ever. Um, <laughs> so you're doing 35. I won't, I won't elaborate anymore. £100 speeding ticket Richard gets. Uh, he thinks, nah, I definitely wasn't speeding. I'm going to fight this. Uh, he fights it. He fights it tooth and nail, Dan, to the point where <laughs> he spends 30,000 Great British Pounds fighting a £100 speeding fine and has self-admittedly spent all of his son's inheritance on it. Oh, my God. Can you? Can you imagine? What a dickhead. And he lost. And he lost. (laughs) He 
If you're going to do it, you have to know, <laughs> holding in your hand, you have a royal flush. You have to know that in your hand, nothing. Oh, you've got four aces and the judge is holding two pair. You can't be going in there on a 50-50, spending 30 large, hoping that you win. <gasps> oh, my oh God. My. Surely there comes a point where, I don't know, you've spent... Two hundred pounds. Let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. As soon as you break into a grand, you've spent fighting this this speeding ticket. You must just think, "Oh, sod it, I'll pay it." You know what I mean? Like you win some, you lose some. This is. I think if you ever get a speeding ticket, even if you feel like you weren't speeding, that's just like, all right, that's what I'm paying for all the times I was speeding and didn't get caught. Yes, exactly. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. This is, this is my subscription to the speeders club. I don't know if I've said this before. I'm sure I've said this before. But when I lived in Manchester, I used to get the tram every day to work. I never, ever bought a ticket for the tram, ever. It was four stops. And I thought, what are the chances I'm going to get caught? And I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm just going to keep not getting a ticket until I get caught. Then I'll pay the fine. And after that, I'll pay for the ticket. It took seven months for me to get caught. I must have saved about four grand on tickets. Mate, and I paid absolutely. a £10 fine. And then just, and then I bought a ticket after that. But I was like, well, at the time, it was totally worth it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like, I... um. Yeah, I used to get the train a lot when I was when I was a youth living in Kent because that's how you have to get around really. And standardly, being a kid, you want to spend your money on drugs and alcohol rather than spend it on travel. So, bunking the train, um, finally got caught, uh, owned, owned up to it and all. Oh, I know, I forget the ins and outs of it. Maybe I didn't pay the fine, whatever it was. So I work in I work in children's services now. So I had to do a DBS check for when I started this job. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, a DBS is basically a, a check of your criminal history to make sure that you're not uh, too much of a nasty bastard. Um, so I get my DBS back and there's there's something on it. And I'm like, shit, what? what why is there something on my DBS? Like, I'm, I'm going to turn it in. <laughs> it comes up on your DBS if you don't pay a train fine. No way. Isn't that just That's beautiful? Mad. That is beautiful. It, but it, yeah, it I agree completely. This it, guy should have paid the fine for all the times he was... Like you say, speeding. Because he because he blatantly does speed. Like everyone does. Like you know, if you're if you say you don't speed, you're probably a, a nuisance on the road. Okay, do you want to start close but not quite this week? Yeah, you go. You go. Go on then. First close but not quite for this week is uh, a young man by the name of Matthew Austin, who is this. <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. I just they're just too easy sometimes. Just far too easy. Yeah. Mister Austin, he's not very young, as I. Don't know why I called him young, but there you go. Um, lives in Twickenham, and he's the CEO for the UK and Ireland sector of Lint. So I, I wouldn't call him a chocolatier, but he's a, a chocolate bureaucrat. Previously worked at That's, Mars. Oh, that motherfucker. Can you imagine how good his bonus is at the end of the year? Oh, he must get mate. paid in just chocolate, just Lint chocolate. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. No, the, the, the sadder and more realistic side of that is that he probably gets some horrendous seven-figure bonus and a bunch of chocolate as well. Like, more chocolate than yeah. he could eat and a fuckload of money. So, um, yeah, fuck you, Matthew. He gets paid to do stuff with chocolate. Oh, God. Who have you got? My first close but not quite is... I've gone for a double signing close but not quite. My first is Dr. Clayton Heller, <laughs> who <laughs> may be the smartest close but not quite I've ever had. He is the department chair, the planetarium director... And the professor, professor of physics and astronomy at Georgia Southern University. He has a Bachelor of Science, a Master of Science, and a PhD. Fair play. Fair play to him. I still don't know if he's smarter than that, that bloke who was the science of 
whatever it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. No, no, I think this. I think this one for sure. Yeah, I mean, the I fact that we, know, I looked. we understand the science that he studies, um, yeah, instantly makes him smarter, I think. I looked into Clayton Heller's research, and it is, as they say, mind-bending. Some phrases <laughs> included in his research are dynamical and cosmological timescales, active galactic nucleus, and bar-driven morphological changes. Fair play to yep. him. Yeah. A- active Those galactic are just letters. nucleus. I know. Is that like just I the centre of a galaxy? Guess. That's got to just be like a star I, in the centre of a galaxy, surely. You would think that, but, I mean, do we know? No, we don't do. You, you'd have thought if it was, you would just call it the star in the centre of a galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't sound as catchy, though, does it? But there you go. Lots of Clayton Heller, a goddamn genius. Big up to... And, and probably... Not making quite as much money as Clayton Keller, for better or for no, worse. No, probably not. I've um, I've got a slightly less um, exciting in in every way for my for my second offering. Uh, I've got Connor Leon as a as number two. So a bit of a bit of an amalgamation there. Connor and Leon, <laughs> David and try it. There you go. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Was, it just wasn't that good, was it? <laughs> he. He's basically a salesman. He sells. He sells bloody. <laughs> he's a, an energy consultant at First Light Energy. So, um, yeah, anyone who's out there getting ripped off for their uh, for their electricity bills, I blame Connor Leon. There you go. And he really is a young man. Look at him. He's. You're not looking at him, but I'm looking at him, and he's very young. Peak too soon with this one. When you were going to say he's a salesman, I was going to say, does he sell himself as an actual First Line centre, but in reality, he's just a glorified winger. Is that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do it again. No, Let's not no. do it again. We'll d- nope, we're not going to go there. Save that for okay, Christmas so, special. Yeah, for my so for my other close but not quite. I wanted this to be almost meta, so I wanted the opposite end of the working spectrum. So obviously Clayton Heller, a scientific genius. The other end is a good old fashioned working man, and the meta of this Clayton Heller, Clayton Keller a young gun in the league. So my check, my second choice had to be an older type player. With that, Bo Thornton is a blacksmith who works oh, at Sound shit. Steel Forge in Washington. And he explains on his LinkedIn page, he appreciates all forms of metal smithing and has enjoyed learning from other metal smiths. But there is no word on his rooster. But there we go, Bo Thornton. He, he can't be that sort of the earth if he has a LinkedIn though. I know. There's like he's he's like as sort of the earth as he can get while still having the most poncy of social media. <laughs> still good though. Yeah, but dude, everyone's everyone's got to have a LinkedIn, haven't they? Apparently, you have to have even if even even blacksmiths now have to be yeah. in a digital age. What what is the world coming to where you've got to have a blacksmith on on play LinkedIn? I know, ridiculous, ridiculous. All right then, before we get to the news, we have our first ever interview. We interviewed Toronto Maple Leafs and Toronto Marlies. How do you describe him, Will? Super fan? Know it all? Good. Statistician? All of the above? I was I was gonna say whisperer, but that, that doesn't Ooh, really nice. work either. But um yeah, just an absolute guru of all things, all things AHL and all things Marley's and, and Leafs. Mark Rackham, you might know Marcus Mark R on Twitter at Mark UK Leaf. Yeah, I I thought it was a really interesting guy to speak to. We chat about a few things like how he got into hockey, uh, Liam Kirk, we obviously talk about uh, an unnamed Leafs forward who may or may not be on the roster at the time of hearing this. Yeah, really, <laughs> really good little chat with Mark. Really interesting guy and he's doing a lot in in the British hockey media, which not a lot of people are. 
now. Okay, here he is, Mike Rackham. Joining us for the first ever Two Brits, One Puck interview is a premier UK hockey personality, Mark Rackham. Mark covers all things Toronto for Maple Leafs Hot Stove with a heavy focus on the Marlies and the rest of the AHL. He recently started hosting his podcast, Hockey from Across the Pond, and has a long-standing blog in UK Hockey Fan. Thanks for coming on, Mark. How are you getting on? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've had a nice break in the summer and I'm ready to get going now. Fantastic. I think I think we all are. I think we all are. Um, Mark, pretty pretty standard <laughs> question to start with uh, for, for UK Hockey Fans. How did you get into the sport? Okay, um, I'll make this a long story short because it is a bit of a long story. Um, I was on vacation in Toronto back in the year 2000. I knew nothing about hockey uh, apart from the fact that they play on ice and they basically fight. Uh, I was taken to my first game and I just fell in love with the speed. Um, there was great atmosphere then, which was unusual for a Maple Leafs game. Um, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a memorable one. I'm, I've told this story a number of times. Uh, they were playing the Blues. They were up five nothing in the third period and, and went on to lose six uh, five in OT. So it was a really uh, leafy start. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I, I can remember walking out. There was a lot of angry people. That's what I can remember. But yeah, I, that's how I got into it. And I was just usual stuff. I was trying to find stuff online. I listened to a lot of radio broadcasts. But yeah, that's kind of how I, I fell into hockey, really. So, so did you come back from that holiday and just try to get your hands on as much NHL as you could back then in two thousand? Yeah, I mean, I you know I had some um, a couple of friends in Canada, and uh, and I was just you know I was you know the only way I could I think I th- think back then we had like one game a week maybe on Channel Four. Um, yeah, there was so little even back then just on, on the internet. But yeah, I, I can remember even going to the library to pick up so I could actually learn like all of the rules. <laughs> you know, just, that, that's how old I am, guys. Yeah, I had to go to the library to find out stuff. That's the nice quality. For those of you who don't know, a library is it's a large building and it has books in it. If you don't know what books are, it's like an iPad but made of paper, if you can imagine such a thing. I could understand the building bit, Dan, but the, the iPad made of paper, I don't. How? No, we can, we'll, we'll cover that another day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that I, I can't even like, I find it hard enough to watch the NHL nowadays. You know, with all the the amenities and, and modern conveniences that we have, with good internet and and NHL TV and whatever Premier Sports are trying to do, but like I can't imagine how removed you must have felt in in like the early two thousands. Yeah, it was weird. I can remember um, so back in the day when like AOL, AOL was a was a thing. I'd be chatting to my buddy uh, on AOL. We'd talk about all kinds of things, and I'd have Joe Bowen on AM six forty radio. Our internet radio just blaring away and just kind of like yeah that's how i kind of follow games really it's like it sounds really b- bizarre now looking back at it but yeah it's just really strange i didn't think anything of it at the time you know i just that's what was available so that's kind of what what i did really but thankfully like technology's evolved and you know you can watch pretty much any game from any league now so it's it's pretty awesome these kids, no, today, these kids today have got no idea about sort of lining. I used to do the same. I would lie in bed and I had a, I had a digital radio when they first, first came out. And I was just searching around and around looking for any kind of, like I say, North American station I could find. And whatever game, I didn't care if it was a, a Bruins game or anything. Any game I could find, I was like, okay, I've got to find a game. I've got to listen to it. And usually just end up falling asleep 
um, which is kind of like now. I just fall asleep in front of the computer now, if uh, if I've just you know I've not got enough sleep or anything. But yeah, it's mad. Like the link, the lengths you would go to back in the day just to just to try and find something to anything to consume this sport is uh, it was mad. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just a different world now. You, you know, you say you started following the game in two thousand. You think that's twenty nineteen, nineteen years ago, and it's oh, where the hell did that time go? You know, it's a great thing that technology's evolved. You know, I can sit here and watch. I could, you know, during the season, I can sit here and watch hockey from, you know, seven o'clock in the evening until God only knows what time in the morning. You know, it's not good for your health, but it's fantastic from a hockey point of view. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know. Good- for your, good for your well-being, depending on which team you're watching. Well, you, you know, when it comes to playoffs, nothing is good for for you. But you know, during the regular season, I try and get some sleep. I, I, I think we'll try and avoid the the p word, considering we've got a Bruins fan and a Leafs fan on this uh, on this interview at the moment. It's all good. I'm I'm over it. So like, yeah, I'm, I don't even care. Honestly, I don't. I've I've I uh, the the one in 2013. That was the one that really. Killed me, so I'm after that. I'm good with anything now. It is, I, what I, it is. I suppose after after so many, you know, not to rub it in, but like repeated, basically the same situation over and over again for for the Leafs and Bruins. It, you must become a bit numb to it as a Leafs fan, I can imagine. Yeah, but it also kind of it also highlights the. I mean, they're fantastic series and the the, the rivalry, the animosity is like brilliant. Yeah, you know, the league loves it. But it also highlights how dumb the NHL's like standings are, like yes. how it's not <laughs> one to eight. You know that's something they have to change, surely. As you know, and it's not just me speaking as a Leafs fan because I don't want to play the Bruins. I just think it makes a mockery of you battle hard all season long, and you know which team you're going to play. That's you know they need to sort that out. I said even as a, even as a Bruins fan, why why are we playing the Leafs? It makes no sense. And I said I said I felt bad for like the Leafs and. Even teams in the West again, who were you know second, like why the the second and third seeds playing each other? It makes no sense. It, it should just be one two. I I just do one two eight and then go from there because again it ruins like like we played the Hurricanes in the in the conference final and it was it was like like that's not a series that was it was just stupid. But yeah, no, I I agree with you. I'm I'm exactly the same as you. It's uh yeah, they need to change it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see it happening anytime soon. No. What it would have been really great is if they like went totally wild card and did like one. To sixteen or something crazy like that again. That would be pretty wild, but that'll never happen in a million years. But yeah, well, one to eight would be great. But I, I think I think we're locked in uh, for next season, for this upcoming season, I should say. And then I think after that, it's up for debate in the NHL. So I'm not gonna. I'm not sure if that's tied in with the um, the CBA or anything like that. But it'll be interesting to see whether they decide to sort of change that. But. At the very least, if it's not tied in with the CBA, I think something will change, even if it's minor, when Seattle come in. Because I know that the plan is to move the Coyotes to the Central, and the Coyotes really aren't happy about that. So I wonder if there's going to be some sort of debate amongst the owners and the governors and whether there'll be any sort of ramifications that happen. You know, not, not necessarily with intent, but just through like the Coyotes or anyone else kicking up a stink when Seattle come in. But we will see. I yeah. suppose an easy transition there, Mark, considering we've already gotten onto the topic, would be your beloved Leafs. I'm, I'm going to ask you about something that I'm sure you're probably bored of talking about now. Mitch Marner, what the hell is going on? <laughs> your guess is <laughs> yeah. good, it's that, good as mine. Yeah, I mean, honestly, who knows? I, I tend not to believe 99.9% of the stuff that's written or put out on Twitter. 
I mean, if anyone asks my opinion, I think uh, the stance that his, his management group have taken, I don't see the guy starting the season. I think he's going to hold out for as long as Nylander did. And I'm not even sure he's going to sign. Um, so I'm kind of like, I've resolved myself to the fact that he's not going to play this year. Um, whether he does sign and then plays in the second half of the season, who knows at this point. But the, the money and the figures being talked about are just absolutely insane. And we get we get Tavares for like $11 million and that's a great deal. Um, and this guy, this kid wants apparently more than that or as much as that. And I'm like thinking, nah. I mean, I, I'm glad that the Leafs haven't succumbed and have agreed to paying him some stupid amount of money. But um, I, and I'm guessing in a, in some kind of way that's that's holding up the rest of the RFAs because um, they're all kind of waiting to see what Mana gets paid. So if Mana doesn't get paid, what the hell is going to happen across the league? Or maybe the Mana camp is waiting for the others to. I don't know what the hell's going on. But I'm just I'm sitting here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get too upset about it. You know, I've resolved myself that he might not sign, and we'll, you know, uh, we're not a one-man team. We've got other decent players, good players. So, I wait and see. Really, I'm not going to get hung up on it. The other RFAs in regards to they seem to be waiting for Marner to get paid because you don't want to become, as I said to Will, I think on our show a couple weeks ago, you, you don't want to become the Nate McKinnon of this RFA group, where everyone says, "Oh my God, I can't believe he took this much. What a team-friendly deal that is." These guys, these young guys, don't want to be on a team-friendly deal. They want to be on a really good deal. And if Mana suddenly comes in at 11, 11 and a half, whatever it is, and one of them ends up taking seven, they're just going to feel stupid. And their agent's going to feel stupid as well. So, like you say, I think ac- across the whole league, it's everyone's kind of playing cat and mouse with each other. Just on the on the back of that, Mark, do you do you feel the only person and the only the only uh, player Mitch Marner's looking at and his camp is looking at is Austin Matthews. Do you feel that's just there comparable and that's it? I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of talk about him. Like, he's always played second fiddle to Conor McDavid. He did during, like, when he played junior and stuff. Uh, I don't know. The, the problem is, is that the media have takes and that takes gets twisted on a line by someone saying, oh, yeah, he wants Austin Matthews' money. And I'm, I'm not so sure that's the case. I mean, if the kid wants to sign, apparently he loves being in Toronto. He's a hometown kid. He's already been making money. Um, and he, he does a ton of commercials. He's getting well paid for that. I'm at the point where, like, how much money do you actually need? I, I get that it's, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, I don't know. I don't want to earn less than this player because I think he's better. But like, if you want to play hockey, hockey career short. This is a window where the Leafs should be looking to, to win the Stanley Cup. I, you know, I don't know. I know this is what happens every summer with RFAs, and this is the patter. Uh, and Marner's um, agent has got uh, previous for this kind of thing. The player might step in eventually and just says, "I just want to sign and get it done." But yeah, I'm not sure about the whole comparing to Austin Matthews thing. There was a thing about the captaincy yesterday that they, 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 they don't want to announce Matthews as captain because it might upset Marner. I mean, Christ. I mean, it's like being in the school playground. I was gonna say, yeah, as the uh, as the NHL TV advert says, there's no soap operas, just hockey. And I feel like the NHL is just soap operas. Did nobody see the Ottawa Senators since like 2016? That's just been one long soap opera. That's all it is. Well, you, yeah, you've got Ottawa. You've got as much as I, you know, I have a lot of time for some people in the Arizona organization. That whole thing about Bettman's yeah. like one man crusade to keep that team alive. You know, there's so many things the NHL do that are just. Uh, 
mind-boggling to me, but you know, it's we're stuck with them, unfortunately. Is it is it part of the charm of the league? I I ask myself every day. No, it's really not. You just put up with it just because of the way it is. All right, there there you go, then, Mark. So the the league is poorly run, and I think we can all agree from from sitting where we are on our tiny little island, it's poorly promoted promoted in the UK. Like it definitely doesn't have the fan base that I feel the sport of hockey deserves. I think like the like you say, you know, the speed, the pace, the physicality of it, it feels that every Englishman that you introduce to this sport is it you know infatuated with it from from the get go. What would you do? Or how do you think that the NHL can do better in the UK to market itself to to non-fans? Oh, wow. Oh, do we have like 10 hours? Um, I mean, I've got to sleep. You can carry on and just send us the file in the morning if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. The short answer is they need to make their presence felt over here. And I think the only way to generate that now would be to come over and do an exhibition series. Actually, there was a I think on Twitter today, uh, Mike Camito. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the anniversary of the league's playing the Rangers at Wembley Arena in 1994. Um, which is I, I saw you post it out and, and retweet him, which is yeah. crazy. Weird, weird coincidence. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now I think about it, maybe it's not. But um, yeah, I think they need to have a presence over here. And then when they when they do come over, they need to do a better job of promoting it. Now I didn't go and watch the MLB Summer Series, but I know people that attended. And they said it was absolutely fantastic from the from the stadium to the to the food to the merchandise, just everything around the whole circus that, that was that weekend. It was, it was brilliantly done. Now, I didn't go to the the games they had in London in 2007, which was Anaheim against the Kings, I want to say. Um, Sounds, I'll believe you. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember now off the top of my head, but that, um, it was in 2007. And... I've been told it was it was poorly run. I rem- I remember the tickets being like stupid money. They were extortionate, which was why I didn't attend. But the whole event was a bit of a, a letdown. The, the hockey was good, but it just wasn't very well promoted. You know, it, they you know it didn't really get into the national press. It was just it was you know we're here because you know this team's owner like owns the uh, the O2 Arena, and yeah we'll come and play a couple of games and you know what the hell is kind of typical NHL lackadaisical approach to anything really um, but yeah that, I think that would be the thing you know come over here with this exhibition games or whatever bring two or three teams I think you'd have to make them storied franchises ideally sort of one of the um, original six would be great and yeah just make a really big thing out of it and sort of promote the game and then once you've done that hopefully people then would you know we have hockey in this country you can go and see one of the one of the better teams that we have. And I think that's a route into it, as well as making it sort of cheap, maybe slightly cheaper online. But, you know, I could go on, you know, talking about the, the TV deal we have here and stuff like that. But I think they just, it's not a sport that's in the forefront of people's minds. And unless you actually shove it in people's faces almost, I don't see how you're going to get more people involved in hockey that don't live in Cardiff or Sheffield you know, or Nottingham that have a team on their doorstep. I think that's my short answer. And that is a short answer for me. No, I, I, I think you're spot on there, Mark. And, and you look at the other three major American sports, the NFL, that, like you say, the MLB and, and even the NBA have all played games in the UK. And I think we'll we'll see what happens with the MLB because it only happened last this season, rather. But um, 
their their popularity in the country has just shot up exponentially. NFL especially. Yeah. Uh, it's, like you say, you get you get feet on the ground, you get bums in seats, and you get to actually show off the wonders of this sport. You know, of any sport really. I think I think it goes for most sports that if you go to a live sport, you're going to have a it's going to be a better introduction to it. And yeah, just watching on telly. Exactly. And I think the other thing that, that's worth mentioning is, like I said, that, you know, if you go and watch NHL in this country, if they had games here, you can then go and watch a decent level of hockey. You know, people mm. can, you know, stick their noses up at the Elite League, you know. But the, the quality of the hockey is so much better than what it was. You can't do that with Major League Baseball. You can't. No. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even know if, like, there is any kind of, like, amateur baseball league being played in this country you know or nfl i know there are like a couple of american football teams around but that's the the one thing hockey has going for it here is that you can go and watch it you know at, at different levels most Amer- north american sports that's simply not the case that, that's a- it's an amazing thing for me is that hockey is actually a global sport out of the four major ones in the states it's the only one that is recognized as being truly global yet the nhl just doesn't seem to be able to get a foothold in any of these countries or like especially in Europe, where half, you know, like half the leagues from Europe, all the best players are coming. Like coming, seem to be in the draft are coming from Europe now, and they don't seem to be able to just get a foothold and say, actually, yeah, let's let's get games over there and let's do something about it. I'm glad you brought up the TV deal, Mark. I, th- I think for me, it's a, if if they got onto Sky, if the NHL was on Sky, I think it would skyrocket. I really do. Because I think like the NBA at the moment, there's a on Sky Sports, and I think it's on a Sunday. They just have 14 hours of NBA coverage. They have all the shows. They have three games. It's it's insane what they do for the sport. And I can just imagine sort of after, like, I don't know, a Super Sunday or a Saturday afternoon footy game or something, you end up just sort of, sort of channel surf. And I think if hockey was on, more people would be like, oh, I'll give this watch for 10 minutes. And as soon as you start watching it, me and Will have said before, it's the, for me, hockey's like the closest sport to footy. And that's why, for some reason, us on the British Isles, we just get into it crazily because we just, it's very simple. It's a simple goals versus goals. There's no touchdowns like what's a home run. There's none of this kind of like, you have to learn all these extra rules. At its most basic, as in footy, hockey, most goals wins. It's very simple. And I just think if they could get on Sky somehow, I just think it would be such a massive boost. Uh, there is a couple of issues with that. Like um, the, the, uh, the time difference issue is one issue. But also the fact that the NHL really don't seem to give a damn. They sell off the rights to a company who I believe are um, AEG, and I forget what that stands for now. And and they just sell it off to whoever they can sell it off to. Yeah. And there's no thought given to the promotion of the game or the sport. So that that there is the crux of the issue. You know, the, the, the timing does play into it, like how much, you know, um, are Sky really interested in the sport that most of the games are played at midnight in the UK? Um, yeah, until the NHL, you know, directly take a, a, a firm grip of how they want to promote the sport in Europe, then I don't think I don't think Sky are going to be too interested. Uh, there was talk of BT being interested the last time the deal was up, uh, but that didn't come to fruition. So that's why you're kind of stuck with Premier Sports. Um, and if you want the podcast to be less than five hours, don't get me started on Premier Sports. No, I completely agree on that. The only thing I will say is, is that I was an NFL fan before I was an NHL fan. So I've been watching the NFL now for God, probably around about 30 years, actually, thinking about it. And I've seen, since the NFL's been on Sky, 
just, especially on my Twitter feed, the amount of new fans who seem to just jump in every week, watch my first game today, it was great, blah, blah, blah. I think, I mean, as you rightly say, most games, especially on the East Coast, most games start at midnight. Nobody's staying up till three in the morning to watch the Flames play on a Thursday night because, you know, that's insanity. But I think especially on like, a, like on a Saturday or a Sunday, you do get matinee games sometimes, especially on the East Coast. And like, like the NFL on Sky, you know, they have games at 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock live games. And there's no reason why they couldn't do that with NHL. But, as you say, that's not the issue. The major issue is, obviously, the selling of the rights fees. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, um, and the, the other problem with the Matinee games is that a lot of the times they are the same teams playing as well. Like mm, yeah. Sky really want to, are Sky going to want to deal with showing the same teams all the time? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a more complicated issue, like you say. You know, than just you know, eyes. It it really is, and I've 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 written about it so much, and I've you know I've I've had conversations with Premier Sports. Um, I'm not sure whether you're aware. I've spoken to Gary Bettman twice on the on the phone. Oh, I've, I've I've put so much time and effort into this. I'm just I'm I'm not hacked off with it, but I'm just you know I I try and give people the best information I can now, but I, I'm done fighting and trying to campaign for it now. I'm just hoping one day the NHL will give a damn enough to do it do it properly, you know. And and that's the theme that's tying all of these gripes and issues with the promotion of the sport in the UK and internationally together. It all seems to be that new fans from outside of the states and Canada, it's fan driven interests. It's never the NHL promoting their product reaching out the olive leaf you know um taking a hit to try and promote the game a bit better it's all coming from the fans trying to find the league it's very much uh oh yeah you can watch this if you want but if you don't then we don't give a monkeys about you no uh, that's such a great point actually it's fan driven because on my t- on my twitter feed um obviously i'm going to go back to the maple leafs well but the, the maple leafs have drafted a lot of swedish players in mm. particular early and the amount of uh, Twitter followers I get because I'm covering uh, the Marlies and a lot of the prospects start off in the AHL. Mm. So I get a lot of people from Sweden and stuff following me on Twitter because they want to see how their prospects are doing. And then they'll watch the NHL games if they make the NHL. So it's such a great point about it being fan-driven at this point. Definitely. And and through prospects, you get more of a tie to, you know, you're following the player, like your bit, your Timothy Lillie Grins, your Rasmus Sandins, you know, then you then get a tie to an NHL club, which then gives you more reason to... Um, to want to watch the NHL's product itself. You know, once you follow these uh, prospects through, you've got an allegiance. And as we've said before, Dan, like, you know, once you've got an allegiance to a team in a league, you're going to be, you're going to have more of a, a sort of reason to tune in. You could have gone to that game, Mark, and just watched that game and been like, oh, that was fun. And that was it. But you'd like, no, I, I, for some reason, this team has drawn me in. And that's it. And away you go from there on. That's it. That's your team. And it's in your blood then kind of thing. Yeah, it it really is. I mean, you, you know, it's it's just I don't know what it is the X factor about hockey, but it's just I don't. It's just it's it's so many things into one. You know, it's 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 one complete package. And you know, I just as I say, I just wish I wish the league would do a better job of promoting what is a great sport. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. On on the subject of following uh, prospects through their journey from, you know, the the rainy shores of Europe to sunny North America where the rinks are paved with gold. Let's talk about our boy Kirky, shall we? Um, I could could talk for hours about Liam Kirk, so go for it. How how did you feel about his first year in the OHL? Obviously, the first half was a bit 
rockier than than the second half. What, which side do you think is going to be the Liam Kirk that we see come out of this sophomore season? Oh, definitely the second half, uh, Liam Kirk. Um, I think there's so much that plays into someone leaving home properly for the first time. You know, right? Canada's not foreign. But it's still foreign, if if you get what I mean. I've spent oh, a lot yeah. of time there, so it's yeah. not to me. But you know, there's so many different ways of life. You you know, you you're living with a new family. Um, you know, you're traveling to all these places you never traveled to. It's just a different way of life. And he actually started off okay. First few games, he was you know putting up some points. But then you know, ad- adapting to the to the different game, to different ice surface. Um, yeah, it was just all those things rolled into one. I you know, I think. I think coming back, he came back to the UK for Christmas. So I think he had a bit of a reset. He did really well uh, with the GB under 20s, I think. Uh, wherever the hell they played, I think they played in Estonia. I think that was good for his confidence as well because he was just killing it in that tournament. And I just think he just adapted. Um, and I think, you know, he set the bar high now. Everything I've been reading or watching about him in the Arizona um, camps. I've just started to begin. He's stepped up a level again. And, you know, I think, honestly, I think we should be really, really excited about the season, the upcoming season he's got. Um, I'll temper that by saying the Peter repeats uh, were not very good last year. Uh, and I think they're going to lose Merkley, who's one of their better players. Uh, I think he's going to be traded away. So I'm not quite sure how good or bad the Pete's are going to be this year. But I think, I think Kirk's going to have a really, really big year and I you know I think he might surprise a few people um he's actually he's 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 sort of more of a playmaker but he's actually started to shoot the puck a lot more he did that in the second half of the season Mm. uh, which is why he went on that goal scoring streak I don't have the um facts and figs in front of me but yeah he was he was scoring for fun in the second half of the year I mean did you guys watch any highlights or stuff did you keep in touch yeah definitely I did yeah um yeah, I agree completely. It, yeah, he seemed to start off quite well, like very steady. And then, like you say, he just dropped off. And then after Christmas, that was it. He, I was reading an interview with him um, from the Yorkshire Post yesterday. And he was saying exactly that. You know, he, he would struggle at first, getting used to a new place, new people. Like you say, like after the level of the game, you know, you think about the OHL and it's kind of you, like a, obviously way lower than the NHL. But compared to what he was used to playing over here, he said like it's, you know, it's night and day. So... I think he had, he had 47 points in 63 games, I want to say. It's great. I, I do have a little... Do you think he feels any pressure on himself, Mark? Do you think he... I don't know. Do you think he kind of is putting himself under any pressure or he kind of feels that, oh my God, like, I'm the kind of... I'm Cocky's great white hope in the UK. Um, I've, I've never met Liam, actually. I, I, I want to meet him. I don't want to meet him as a, as a fan. I'd love to meet him in a professional capacity. But mm. I've never met him. Um, but everything I... I see and I read about him. I've, I just think he's very laid back. I think he doesn't feel any pressure. I just think he wants to be the best hockey player he, he can be. Yeah. He works really, really hard. And I, I just think it's more pressure on himself rather than feeling external pressure. You know, I think, you know, um, this is just part of the journey for him. I think getting drafted was amazing. And he thought, All right, I've been drafted. What's the next thing I need to do? You know, and uh, he had a really good year. I mean, people forget um, at, the, at the World Championships, Liam Kirk had a brilliant World Championships. I know he didn't put up points or goals, but you watch some of the better plays GB um, made in those games. There was a couple of plays against the USA 
where he looked all right he didn't look on a par with some of those usa players but you know he, he looked like a step above the rest of the british players now so you know i think i think we need to take a step back and think yeah this guy's improving but i think he's just on this upward curve i think he's just going to go along and think right you know last year was my you know i've set the bar now i need to kick on again i think all this pressure is just internal for him um and whatever peterborough are saying to him and whatever arizona is saying to him i'm, I'm assuming they're giving him um training advice and, and, and stuff to, to push his game on what he needs to work on. But I don't think he he feels like there's a weight of British hockey on him. I mean, honestly, um, how many people are writing about him like right now? It's myself, it's Caitlin Berry. I don't really see anyone else writing about Liam, so I don't necessarily see that outside pressure. Yeah. No, and I, th- I think there's got to be an element of of recalibrating the expectations for for Kirk compared to prospects in his peer group, especially in his in his draft year, because you got you know with all due respect to to the British game and, and the Steelers especially, but he you know it's his first year playing in in the best junior league in the world, where a lot of other players in his age group have been playing there for two years since they were sixteen, hell some since they were fifteen if you know, you're you're Quentin Byfields and stuff like that, like. It, you need to not look at him as a 19-year-old prospect. You need to look him look at him as a second-year junior player, sort of thing. If you know, if a 16-year-old came in and put up 47 points on a on an abjectly bad Peter Repeats team, you think, "Cool, this kid's got a future." So it's, yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be exciting. So, yeah, it, it's a bit um, of a weird thing actually because he's 19. He's not thought of as a rookie, but like you say, it's that kind of in betwixt between. He kind of finds himself a bit, you know, he's he's a rookie, but, you know, he's been playing in a men's league and he's significantly older than a rookie in the OHL. So it's kind of like, you know, what were the expectations? And mine were, for him, I was thinking if he can produce uh, anything around 0. 0.6, 0. 0.75 points per game, he's probably doing pretty well. I didn't know how good the peaks were going to be. But yeah, I think now, this season is when, I'm not saying it's boom or, or bust for him, but this is a year he's really got to, you know, produce. Well, on on that note, in that case, Mark, say he doesn't produce this year. Say, say you know, say he flames out a little bit, just turns into I don't know an average junior player, never sniffs the NHL. Yeah, maybe plays a few AHL games here or there. Comes back to the elite league. Has has Liam Kirk already succeeded? If you know what I mean, just by getting to the OHL, just by getting drafted. Is that already a success for British hockey? I don't think British hockey can take that much credit for Liam Kurtz, to be <laughs> if we're being if we're being brutally honest. Uh, no. the, the, the system doesn't work. I think I think you know I've um, you know, I've had to say this a few times because I, I do some writing for Cardiff. I have no allegiance for any British ice hockey team. Um, I think Sheffield do deserve some credit. They they brought him through their ranks. They gave him some ice time at a you know, in the elite league, so they do deserve some credit for his rise. Um, but yeah, I mean, you say like, you know, um, if he plays a few AHL games, if Liam Kirk ends up playing a few AHL games, there's going to be no one prouder of him than me, you know, apart from his family and stuff. Uh, it's still an achievement. To play in the AHL is, uh, that's a damn good, you know, uh, level of hockey to play in. I mean, it's almost... You know, I mean, people were talking about, you know, a couple of years ago, how bad Ottawa were, you know, and people saying, well, could, you know, these AHL teams beat this NHL team? The, the level between 
the bottom of the NHL and the best teams in the AHL is not that far apart anymore. If Liam was to play in the AHL, that would be fantastic. But honestly, what are, their, what are the expectations? I mean, do I expect Liam Kirk to play in the NHL? <sighs> My heart of hearts, probably not. If he gets an NHL entry-level deal, that would just be incredible. And, you know, that's the next stepping stone for him. I think mm-hmm. it's so hard to weigh up, um, you know, what is success and what's possible failure for him. Because um, I think we're a little ways away from that at the moment. You know, he's, he's only his second year in junior. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys feel about, you know, what would be... Does he need to get an entry-level contract to be considered, you know, not a failure? Well, I'll let you handle that one. Oh, I was going to let you go first, Dan. I was going to wish you out of it. I, I, I think he's already succeeded, personally, to, to have his name. Because he wasn't a sure thing to be drafted at all in 2018. Just to have his name called out on the draft floor in, it was in Dallas, wasn't it, I think? That is a success. That really is a success. I think, I think you've hit on a, a very interesting point there, Mark, saying it's not a success for British hockey. I think he's almost... I think you're right in saying he's almost succeeded in spite of the British system. But again, that's, as many other topics we've mentioned, is a topic for another day. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, if, if he gets a contract, that's just going to be, that'll be ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you're going to have to peel me off Twitter if that happens. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, anything else could be happening in the NHL, but we'll just be saying... He's got a bloody deal. He's on league minimum. Go on, son. Like that'd just be, yeah, just just insane. Because like, I mean, crikey, you know, all due respect, lads, as as three white guys from England, we don't exactly lack for representation. But I think this is the one field that I feel it will be an achievement for 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 our demographic, for want of a better term. You know, to even when you just see the interviews last year of him at. at training camp and is blooming northern accent talking to media scrums in the nhl it's just it's refreshing and it it makes you feel more included and i think yeah i think he's already succeeded yeah I, i'm gonna give actually well think about it well first before i say that you know he's the first english born and trained player to be drafted in the nhl you know before we say anything else you know that has to we have to say that again like you say that's one hell of an achievement but i just want to give a shout out to um i think arizona Peterborough have really taken, you know, Liam under their wing and they've both done a fantastic job of interacting uh, with the fans in the UK and they've mm. made it really fun to cover his journey. So I think those two teams deserve um, some respect for that. I know the Pete's uh, made a little bit of money from Jersey sales and stuff. So kudos to them. But um, yeah, I think the, that's made the, this whole experience so far, like even more enjoyable, especially for me personally, you know, and I've, I've, I actually interact with a couple of Peterborough fans now and stuff and I kind of get the odd update on how he's doing um, you know so I think there's that aspect to it as well I, you know um, inclusive, inclusivity and stuff you know it's it's so important I know we're all white guys and stuff and the hockey is you know, mainly you know a, a white man's sport but you know having a, a guy from the UK make it over there and you know he's almost you know half he's over halfway to to achieving that you know, if he did, that would just be something absolutely incredible, and I don't think that should be overlooked in the in the larger scheme of things, really. I do just want to, as we round off here, I just want to circle back to the Leafs, if that's okay, just for a couple of minutes. Just your current, like your thoughts on the current season that's coming up. Um, are you happy with the moves they made in the off season? Obviously, a lot of changes on D. We kind of, I mean, I guess coaching as well. After what happened in the playoffs with Babcock, were you surprised that he came back? 
Um, as far as expectations go, getting past the first round, like they cannot, we cannot go out in the first round again. Um, as far as Babcock is concerned, um, I think this is last chance to loom for him. It was just, he's so set in his ways and he's got certain ways of doing things. And even when they don't work, he doesn't change. And I've, I, I've the greatest respect for the guy as a coach, but he doesn't seem to want to adapt even when things don't seem to be working. You know, when it comes to playoffs, you need to play your best players in the big minutes. And that was the biggest criticism leveled of him in that game seven against Boston. Yeah. And I Patrick Marlowe was out there for the last three minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. I like, I love Patrick Marlowe. Been a fantastic NHL player, but he's old. He, he's almost past it. Uh, and he, Austin Matthews is sitting there on the damn bench. Uh, things like that just drive you crazy. I'm not sure. I, I quite like what they least did in the summer. Obviously, they're a little bit hamstrung by this certain RFA, so they've had to be a little bit careful. Um, so I'd say if out uh, CCC in, and I can see why that makes it. Um, basically, they've just brought in a load of depth to throw at their fourth line, whatever that's going to be, and obviously then to funnel down into the Marley, so they've got depth for the organisation. I'm expecting them to have another really good year. I wouldn't be surprised if they put up 100 points. But yeah, I just want to see an improvement on the back end, I guess would be my expectation, seeing how that works out. And yeah, just getting around past the first round of the playoffs because, you know, as much as I say the losses to Boston, I'm sort of over it now. You know, I need I, I need not another heartbreak in the first round because it's just it's getting to the point where it's just ridiculous now. Um you know, but yeah, I've, I've no real like massive expectations. I don't think the Leafs are going to go all the way and win the Stanley Cup. But I do believe they get the team together and they win a round. They experience, you know, who knows after that, right? The playoffs are an absolute gong show. Anything can happen, you know, as as shown by uh, Carolina. You know, so, you know, <laughs> anything is possible, I guess. Yeah, I'm the same. My expectation at the start of every year, just get to the playoffs because you never know what's going to happen. And I, I made the point to Will, both Stanley Cup finalists last year were one game away from being eliminated. And then they both go on runs and get and get to the final. So, yeah, just get to the playoffs and, you know, you never know, do you? Just ask the St. Louis Blues. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time tonight, Mark. Much appreciated, mate. It's uh, Yeah, it's really, it's really been a pleasure. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. Always happy to talk hockey. It, absolutely. I think it goes for all of us. Mark, have you got anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, um, so um, as you mentioned, I have my own podcast, which is called Hockey from Across the Pond. Um, if you put that into a um, Google search, it'll come up with that. I've done seven episodes now. I've spoken to a few people. The last episode was Sean Shapiro, who writes for the, um, the Athletic. He focuses on Dallas and Texas. Um, if you want to check out my blog, that you can find that at UK Hockey Fan, which is all one word. Um, I write about everything in there. AHL, Marley's TV deal, NHL TV deal in the UK, uh, for example, <laughs> all kinds of stuff on there. Um, and if you want to check out, if you're a Toronto fan, you want to check out my my Marley's writings, you can find that at the Maple Leaf Hot Stove, which is all one word. That's Maple Leaf Hot Stove. And you can find everything on there. In fact, if you're um, any sort of Toronto fan, check out our website. They give, um, they're not a clickbait site. Everything there is really well written. Um, every article has a point to it, and uh, those guys are fantastic. So definitely check that out as well. Fantastic. Thank you again, Mark, and uh, good luck for the upcoming season. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. All right. Big thanks to Mark. Let's get to the news this week. The first thing, I've got to talk about it. I'm going to pull a bit of a, a bit of a power play here. Well, I'm sorry, but like the Lindbergh baby, 
D.B. Cooper and Lord Lucan. We thought Tim Thomas was gone forever, but he reappeared last week on a, a conference call as he is about to be inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Did you catch any of his interview? No. No, did I, I, did, okay. I, didn't, I didn't even know this happened. Yep, Tim Thomas is <laughs> Tim Thomas is back, and this time it's personal. It was quite personal. <laughs> I, I certainly hope he's he, not. Um, yeah. <laughs> he said he was he was quite revealing and he said that he has he's had problems with his nervous system since he retired. He he took a hit in a game and it led to a concussion and he said that his nervous system's been all over the place since then. Oh, and he, he he said he couldn't come back because there was rumors about him being the flag bearer for game 7 last year. Mm. And he said he just couldn't he wouldn't be able to handle the energy of the crowd. And he said that's why he's kind of been away. He doesn't want to be anywhere near hockey anymore. He's just sort of taking one step at a time. And he, he said his concussions affected him greatly. And he's, he's spent a lifetime playing sport, football, baseball, hockey, you know, anything, and you know, loads of that kind of thing. And he's, he feels as though he's accumulated, unbeknownst to him at the time, he's accumulated a lot of brain injuries. And he Jeez, says he's recovered really? a lot. Yeah, he says he's recovered a lot, but there are still things he feels are missing sort of day to day, like his balance, his hand eye feels a bit off. So he said he's just kind of having to take it one step at a time. And he's and he doesn't enjoy travelling much anymore. He doesn't want to be in the public eye. So yeah, he's just kind of stayed away from it. And that's why. That's that's horrendous. I mean all these years of like yeah, ragging on him saying he's living in a bunker and preparing for the apocalypse and stuff and really he's just another, you know, a horrendously long list of of contact sport athletes who were who are struggling post career, and in and he said he yeah. after the end he didn't he said everybody probably knows nowadays I don't have much to say publicly. Obviously, I've decided to keep what I'm doing with my life and learning to myself at this point and probably forever. So it, that it, don't be surprised if that's the last time you ever heard ever hear Tim Thomas ever again because it just seems like that's it. I'm out. I'm done. I'll see you later. Come on, mate. Why? Why would you want to? Especially if you're suffering with those sorts of yeah. If, if he's sort of quite an insular guy to start with, and then yeah, to 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 experience that sort of thing day to day, I I can't even imagine. You know, you you read about all these accounts of people struggling with post concussion system sim, uh, symptoms, like uh, I think I remember insight. It was I think it was Landis Gog talking about it, and like. Mark Savard spoken at length about it. Obviously, Dan Costello. Yeah, it just it sounds like living hell, living hell, and it's like it never really leaves you, sort of thing. And yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, uh, personal politics aside, like all sympathies out to Tim Thomas, and you know, hope he. I hope I hope we see Tim Thomas again in the future. Just be not necessarily from like a selfish standpoint, but just to see that he has gotten through this horrendous situation to a point where yeah, the geezer says he can't be in an arena. That's like, that's ridiculous. That's that's awful. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on that too much. It is it is terrible. But do you think? Do you think it's interesting? We some we sometimes look at players who've retired who've made money. Any amount of money, if you make, I mean, if you make basic salary for your entire career, say you play 10 years and make basic salary, you've got more than enough money to live off for the rest of your life comfortably, wherever you live. Oh, yeah. Yet, we always find it weird when players just disappear. But then I think, well, that's what I would do. If I made enough money that I could just retire tomorrow, that's it. You'll never see me ever again. I'd just be sat in my pants playing football manager all day eating crisps, like (laughs) going blind probably. 
Like, why? I mean, I get, though, you, you kind of get it ingrained into... It's like kind of being a soldier. You can't get out of that mentality then, can you? You've been in a hockey camp since, since you were, like, five years old, and now you're 40, and you're like, what do I do in my life? How do I fill my days? What am I supposed to do? Like, it's hockey or nothing, and then there's nothing. But we always find it weird when a player just walks away and is like, no, I'm done, thanks. I'll, I'll see you later. Like, Tim Thomas won two Vesnas. You want to... Or this player ever to win a con Smythe. You know, like, he's regarded as a legend in the Boston area for what he did in 2011, so... You just like go out on a high note and you're like, yeah, see you later. I'm done. I don't need to do anything else. That's it. But we always find it really weird. But you've you've hit it on the head there in in that you say Thomas is a legend in the Boston area. Tim Thomas is a, a legend. He's a famous player. He was a famous player while he while he played. Yeah, and that goes for a lot of the other players. Yeah, like Paul Career is another great example of the player who's disappeared. Yeah, but he was a famous player. He was a star while he played in the NHL. Your point of you know making league minimum of ten years and then buggering off like yeah no nobody's gonna care like yeah if if Sean Corrali retires in ten years or whatever and then we never hear from him again no one's gonna give a, give a shit about Sean Corrali you know what I mean but if <laughs> wow all due respect to Sean Corrali but he's not a star like and he's not a famous player in that sense hell even even Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson like when they finally retire like if you never hear anything about Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson again. It's not going to be like, oh, and whatever happened to Ryan Reeves? Like, whereas if Sid retires and you never hear from Sid again, it's going to be like, oh, I wonder what happened to Sid. Like, it's just it's horses for courses. Like, like any celebrity, like you know, the third third supporting actor in I don't know what whatever film you want. Like, no one cares where they are, but yeah, it's it's about how famous you are, isn't it? Really. It's about yeah, the, the celebrity that comes with being a player. It's not just the fact that you were a player. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Nah, you <laughs> bastard. That. <laughs> uh, a, a silly little piece of news, but God, in news that seemed to divide the hockey world like gun control, Pierre Maguire is out between the benches. Uh, Brian Boucher is in. I only mention this because... Um, obviously, Wyshynski got absolutely battered on some parts of Twitter for his uh, Pierre take. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't translate to us over here because we don't see him all the time. But man, there are people out there who love Pierre and there's some people who just hate him. And I, I was just amazed at how much this divided the hockey world this week. It's, it's that weird one where like most of the games that I'd watch, at least, that have Pierre featuring in them are blacked out over here anyway. So I don't necessarily yeah. get to watch him. So it's like... exactly. I, d- I don't I never quite he's annoying but I think he was enough of a, like you say you haven't seen him enough that he remains a bit of a novelty yeah I've, I've, I think you can you know, if you're going to ask the audience that it's a good thing that he's out like it's still I'm not I'm not going to see Brian Boucher I can't say I've actively ever seen Brian Boucher between the benches before anyway so whatever it's still going to be Doc and Eddie in the booth so you're going to have your issues there to start with anyway like Great. I'm so, sure. In a, I'm sure in a few months, everyone will hate Brian as well. So. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So is, yeah. is is Pierre going into the studio? Do you know what? I'm I'm not sure. I think I, I think at the moment he he's. I assume, yeah, I assume he is because it seems to be that would make the most sense because it seems he would be a better fit for that. That's what everyone says that he would be a better fit for that than what he does now. But mate, I'm know. I'm buzzing for an intermission show with whoever hosting and then Mike Milbury and Pierre Maguire. That'd be. <laughs> Oh my god. Bob Rossi from the Athletic flew over to Moscow to talk to Evgeny Malkin. <laughs> and Evgeny Malkin in his best Russian Bond villain accent made the point that it was either him or me. 
in regards to Phil Kessel. Well, to be fair, he didn't say that, but Bob Rossi <laughs> ran with it. So apparently, <laughs> so apparently Bob Rossi knows enough to know that this was the case and that Malkin pretty much said it's him or me. It was a pretty interesting thing. He said that Kessel seemed happy with two cups and was pretty much content to just pad his own stats. Now, I don't know about you, Will, but I think I'm with Phil here. <laughs> because, as we referenced before, NHL 19, NHL... Any, fo- any, any video game where I create myself, the first thing I want to do is win every trophy possible with my team. So if it's footy, obviously as many trophies as I can. If it's hockey, obviously I want to win the Stanley Cup. Then after that, I start thinking... Hmm, what records can I break? And then I start wanting to break records. And I think after Phil's won two cups, yeah, why the hell not? I'd, the whole, like... I'd, yeah, I can understand why it's problematic when a player is solely focused on padding their own stats. But surely if, if Phil's really focused on padding his own, like, you know, scoring lots of goals, <laughs> getting a lots, lots of... <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you want... What do you want him to do? Like that's what he's there for. You're not, you're not signing him to be some like if defensive, you know, the second coming of bloody Marion Hosa or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, Phil's paid to score goals and and create offense. And what he's really focused on scoring goals and creating offense. Like what? I I, I don't I don't I don't get it. I just don't get it. And that, I, know, I don't get it either. That whole—I mean, yeah—maybe my reading comprehension isn't as good as it could be, but the whole thing felt a bit like Morgan was in in his broken English, saying, "Yeah, I don't know how to speak English. I don't really like it in Pittsburgh, <laughs> <laughs> and I also hate Phil Kessel." <laughs> yeah, which uh, which was yeah a bit a bit shocking. Like you know, he complained about how it rains all the time and like. Yeah, he never gets to see his kid and stuff like that. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are you all right, Evgeny? It was it was the thing that we've I've made the point of before, is that hockey is not just what happens in the rink and on the ice. You know, like, these pe- they're real people. They will miss their family. There'll be times when a player's in a funk. And, you know, analytics guys and analysts on TV and, you know, the, the media reporting things and, you know, oh, he's not playing well at the moment. Well, yeah. Maybe that morning he had a massive he had a massive fucking row with his wife, and <laughs> she's like, "And stay out!" And he's got to go to the rink now. Like, oh god, I've got to get on the plane now. We've got a doubleheader, you know, in like Canada for like the next couple of days. Like, what am I going to do? My wife's in a mood with me, and it affects your game. You know, these guys are not robots. And Malkin saying all that just, you know, just made it even more obvious, doesn't it? It makes it even more clear that's the case. Yeah, but we don't want to treat them as real human beings, like that. And we want to just expect them to. Cause, oh, they're being paid so much money, y'all, that they should be able to leave all of that at home. And when you know, when you get to the rink, it's just all about the game. Like, I love when, you know, not saying that Morgan has said this, but when athletes come out and admit that they don't really enjoy the sport anymore. <laughs> We've mentioned this plenty of times. Benoit Asuakoto yeah. from oh, Tottenham. So oh, I hate playing. I hate playing football. God, I hate football. I don't even know any players. I'm just good at it. It's like what. That's that is the ultimate flex, as the kids say. Like I'm, I'm the don. I earn like a hundred grand a week for playing this game, and I, I don't even like it. I'm just, I'm just re, I'm just world class. I'm playing in World Cups, and I don't even like it. He said he knew about five. He said I know about five players. I know Messi, Ronaldo, and a couple of others. <laughs> I was like, so funny. Was so See now, funny. now that side of it is just like showing that he, yeah, he's not very. 
good at his job in some ways. You know, he's not very good at scouting or whatever. Like, you know, he's not knowing the professionals in his field, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I can't think of any hockey players that have come out to say, yeah, I don't really like hockey anymore, but I love it when I love it when anybody does that. Just admit it's like, yeah, I'm shit hot, but I don't like it. But at what cost? <laughs> but at what cost? Cursed and it is, it is interesting hands. to for a hockey player to come out and like like Malkin did for a hockey player to come out and be that kind of open and frank about another player is kind of surprising. It doesn't happen that often. No, no surprises about Phil though, in it. Like, who well, yeah, who true. are we legally allowed to pile on and say that he's a bad person, yeah, and a point. terrible friend, and all that? Ah, Phil Kessel, there you go. After he's left, and and the fact that there's Rob Rossi again after writing that massive you know hit piece on Kessel to get him run out of Pittsburgh in the first place. Yeah, God, it's a great point, mate. Right, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get on a plane halfway across the world to Moscow, and I'm gonna interview Evgeny Malkin, try and you know gloss over the fact that he's you know clearly in some form of depression with his job and just get him to say yeah I hate Phil Kessel because he tried to score too many goals fucking Rob yeah, that, mate, that is a great point that is a great point I was kind of hoping at the end Malkin also went oh don't get me fucking started on Jake Gensel fucking <laughs> motherfucker like <laughs> but Bob's like I don't care about that never mind it's like, yeah, oh. not, not interested don't don't sack on Jake just, just Phil yeah just Phil, just Phil. Yeah, there we go. Malkin, and Ka- Malkin did not like Phil Castle, apparently. Or so we're led to believe. Okay. Something great this week, Will. Something amazing. Have you heard about the return of the Messiah? Oh, of course. I was going to text you. I was going to text you. But, um, <laughs> dude. He has returned uh, in a small capacity. The, what would you call him? He's not the guardian angel of our show. What is he? I don't <laughs> want to say the well, mascot. The, the patron saint. <laughs> the patron saint? Maybe he is. The Teflon Don. Peter Chiarelli. Pistol Pete. Stanley Cup champion. You know that, Will. Did you know that? I don't know if you knew that or not. Is joining the current Stanley Cup champions to be taking on an advisory role with the St. Louis Blues. Somebody made a fantastic point is that it's a genius hire because you knock on... So, come in. Oh, hi, Mr. Chiarelli. Uh, We're thinking of doing this. What do you think? And he goes, it's a fantastic idea. You then leave the room and do the exact opposite. And you can't fail. That was uh, that was your boy Dominic Schizen from the uh, from the Athletic, who who I saw make that point. I'm sure plenty of other people did as well. But I mean, yeah, that that would be all well and good, Dan, if that was what was actually going to happen. Like as <laughs> if as if that's going to happen. Like he they they have brought him on, valuing his input for what it is, and that's that's the beauty of this league. Nobody ever learns their lesson, better or for worse. And in this case. Hopefully this is going to lead to um, to Doug Armstrong losing his job and then just step in <laughs> and the Teflon Don's back at the helm. The Teflon Don is just sat there waiting the wings. He's sat there, it's like a mafia, he's like a mafioso captain, just waiting for the boss to get whacked. And he's just sat there waiting, I'm next in line. <laughs> I'm going to be the GM of the Stanley Cup champions. I am the captain now, <laughs> as they say. I am the, <laughs> I am the captain now. Uh, what's the, not not make a bet, but what would you put, how long does it take before the first Peter Chiarelli headline comes out from St. Louis? Oh, I from, the start, from the start of the season, do you think we're going to hear his name again in any kind of, like, because, because at this point, like, his reputation precedes him. Not, uh, weirdly, 
even as a Stanley Cup champion, his reputation precedes him now as the guy who destroyed the Edmonton Oilers and is now up to Ken Holland to try and fix that mess. How long until somebody, even if Chiarelli just does nothing all day, pins, tries to pin something on him to say, well, it wasn't my mistake, Mr. Chiarelli said that. I, I think, like I think the first questionable trade that the Blues make. Yeah, and, as soon as you see the Blues absolute... sign a Russian goalie <laughs> for like five million for the next four years. He's not played a This minute. reeks of Chiarelli. <laughs> this is it. This is it. As soon as they make like a bad trade or whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah, so say they trade like Robbie Fabry or like you know, Robert Thomas or some sort of young forward for anyone, there's gonna be oh, I wonder if Oh, Pete had his uh, had his greasy little mitts all over this one. You're absolutely right. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be the first one for one. That'll be it, because that's the joke. That's the joke that will follow him around for the rest of his life. And it could, like you say, it could be anybody. It could be a, a it could be a, a an AHL player to another AHL team. The second it happens with anything attached to the Blues, it's going to be oh, I see Chiarelli's already started working or something like that. I, I think from unfortunately. From like a um, an official standpoint, we won't hear anything about him ever again <laughs> until, until he's until he's sacked or something. You know, something happens. I think he'll he'll just be kept quiet because he's just an advisor. Like there are plenty of people who are who are shit GMs who are advisors around the league now that you never hit never hear head nor tail of. No, I, I totally disagree. I think this is different. I think Chiarelli has got some kind of negative mojo around him or something. I tell you, the second something questionable happens at that organisation, I'm not saying someone actually is going to physically like try and pin it on him. Like, okay, you did this wrong. But there's going to be somewhere, somebody will say something about him and any bad decision that's made there. Because they can't, how could how could they not? They're just, it's, it's such easy fodder. I'm, I'm buzzing for the, um, who's the guy over there? Jeremy Rutherford. He's a, he's a beat writer. The Jeremy Rutherford version of the uh, of the Russo piece on Paul Fenton, but for Chiarelli, <laughs> <laughs> like two years down the line, like oh, Pete Chiarelli was like pinning people up against the lockers in the hallway, and he <laughs> <laughs> slapped my baby, <laughs> just swaggering about in a leather jacket with Teflon Don with rhinestones on the back. <laughs> Ah, oh, beautiful. I'm so glad he's back. I've missed him so much. I did, you see, you don't even know what you've got till it's gone, as uh, Johnny Mitchell once said. Within this month, Dan, we're going to have the rehiring of Pete Chiarelli back into the National Hockey League and the resuming of the Ottawa Senators season. So I, I would argue this is going to be a very exciting uh, series of weeks. You know what they say, the more things change, the more they stay the same. True words, true oh, words. Dear. Okay. I'm going to have a little rant. I know I do this now and You've again. You've already had like three this episode. Yeah, but those are little things. Maybe I'll cut a couple. Maybe I'll cut maybe one or two of them out so I can have this one. This is the more... Maybe I've had a bad week and not realised it or something. I don't know. I don't know. But the fucking NHL cannot get out of their own way. They cannot help themselves but just put their big dumb foot in their big dumb mouth time and time again. I know for a fact everyone has seen those NHL TV adverts saying no soap opera, just hockey. (sighs) This is dumb on so many levels. The first point is the entire fucking league is a soap opera. Do all those people who work for Sportsnet and TSN and NBC and whoever 
spend hours and hours talking about gameplay? No, they don't. They talk about contracts. They talk about boots between players. They talk about Ryan Reeves murdering Tom Wilson. They talk about people's, ta- you know, uh, players taking Ubers and slagging off their coaches, and and so many other things. We hardly ever, even me and Will, we hardly ever just talk about hockey and the good plays of hockey. That's not why we like it. We like it now because it's just the insanity of it. The second thing is, no soap operas. Why? Because. You know that thing that literally tens of millions of people enjoy every week around the world? Well, we don't want that. Why do we want to be like soap operas? We want to be popular? No, that's crazy. Well, in this country, something like 45% of the country every single day watches a soap opera. It must be even more in America. It must be like... like It is literally tens, if not hundreds of millions of people and what are the ratings like for the Stanley Cup? I'll tell you what they are. They're dog shit. They're dog shit. They're fucking dog shit. They're so stupid. The the Los Angeles Kings dropped that jersey, didn't they? Like that beautiful throwback jersey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When did the NHL decide when did the NHL decide to release that information? Labor Day weekend, Friday night. Literally at about ten PM. Everybody is either going away for the weekend in America or getting ready for parties or whatever. So then the NHL don't decide to bring that information out or show that information out or even consult with the Kings, whoever led it first, and say, you know what, let's do this, you know, on a quiet Tuesday evening around six o'clock, not much going on, bam, look what look what we're releasing. How beautiful is this jersey? Do you remember this jersey? It's fucking awesome. Because everyone was like, wow, this is amazing. They're going to end up the fifth sport in North America. They are. Because they're so dumb. They, they can't help themselves. Do you know why the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball are going crazy getting games in Europe? Because they want to be in Europe. They want the fans to be in Europe. The NHL already has that. We spoke about this with Mark. It's already a worldwide sport. Hockey is already a global sport. Yet, they act like they're promoting it in a fucking bingo hall or something. And they they just can't get out of their own way. It drives me mad. There you go. That's fucking hell. Sorry. No, you're right. You've you've saved me having to having to add anything really. Isn't it mad that EastEnders is on every day? It's not on every day. No, it's on nil. It's on four times a week. <laughs> my my apologies. All right. Well, yeah, it, but it's not every day. Isn't it mad that EastEnders is on four times a week though? Like that is that's mental. But like, uh, yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah, why would you not want to be like a soap opera? They're so popular. <laughs> that's like that's like that's like putting a picture of the Avengers, and then a picture of an ice hockey player, and saying, "Ha, huh, no superheroes, just hockey." <laughs> you fucking idiots! Why? Ugh, just Why? hockey. Ugh. Sounds yeah. Sounds oh god, boring. that sounds awful. That sounds terrible. That's the thing. Yeah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we had nothing to talk about except hockey gameplay, passes, and shots? Oh, maybe. I mean, yeah. Sometimes it's great. But even now, great shots aren't great shots. Because for the 17th time Sidney Crosby smacks a puck out of the air, you're just like, oh, he does it all the time. <laughs> like, that's amazing what he does. It's unbelievable, the hand-eye coordination and skill to be on skates and hit a puck out of midair and score. That's just ridiculous. I think Matt Duchesne had one last year, didn't he? It was even further. Mm. Like, it was from like the, the, the face-off spot. Yeah. Like the face-off dot. Like his like, back or that's whatever, insane. Like. That's ins- we should be talking about that still. And now we don't. What are we talking about? We're talking about Mitch Marner's contract. We're talking about Evan Tonulas and all the problems there. We're talking about Sad Connor. We're talking about, like you say, fights between players and 
what's going on and oh my god Peter Chiarelli's back and Malkin and Kessel having a problem like that's what we talk about like it's a soap opera the entire Ottawa Senators organisation was a soap opera for the past like four years like what are we doing the, oh god they're so stupid the most the most digested bits of hockey media are trade deadline day where dedicate an entire day's worth of program scheduling to the potential of players moving. Not not the actual, here we're going to analyse everything that's happened in the moving. No, it's all oh, this might be happening, all oh, that might be happening. And on a, on a weekly basis, 31 Thoughts, which is a fantastic, fantastic column. I love 31 Thoughts. But it's yeah. effectively a gossip column, like for hockey. <laughs> All, all due respect, I've never to, thought of that. That's so true. You, you know what I mean, and that's that's what I love it for, and I think that's what everybody loves it for. You know, it's the little tidbits behind the scenes. It's oh, I'm hearing this. Oh, I spoke to this person about that, and here's stuff that you're not going to get by just hockey. You know what I mean? It's not 31 highlights and Fridge saying, oh yeah, you know, uh, Patrick Lino was able to score this goal because of an incredible pass by Mark Shifley. This is how he was able to get a pass off X, Y, and Z. No, it's 31 bits of like, I, I don't know what you know. I don't need to explain fucking thirty-one thoughts to people, but that is it. And they want to. No, you're right though. It's a gossip you. column. Thirty-one thoughts is here's what might happen. Yeah, and kind of thing. It's, it's the same over here with football, like the BBC Sport football gossip column. Like, yeah, my my dad doesn't read anything outside of the paper apart from the BBC Sport gossip column because it's great. Who doesn't love? The gossip. Who doesn't love reading every single day? Oh, word is, um, Anzai Macalania might be putting in a seven hundred billion pound bid for Lionel Messi. Like, who doesn't want to read that? Exactly, exactly. And that's with but no soap operas, just hockey. That's without touching on the extremely obvious and problematic nature of saying there's something wrong with watching soap operas and the demographics yeah. that that is without a doubt attacking it's it's saying not even particularly like uh, underhandedly like it's in the face is we we don't want women involved and we don't want the women who we presume are in your life who have been controlling your life in the summer while hockey has been absent controlling your life anymore we want you to be able to say no, see you later, love. I'm watching hockey now. I'm taking back a control of the remote because it's hockey. It's not soap operas. I'm the man. Hockey's for men. Ugh. I know. Fucking stupidly. Could you, could you imagine living in a world where you're trying to say all the shit that happened with Eric Carlson and Mike Hoffman's missus isn't a soap opera? Like, that, that stuff if that wasn't is... a soap opera, you might not even believe that storyline. You're like, whatever. Like, she wished her baby was dead. Come on, that's bullshit. No one would ever say that. I, I think. And this this fucking really happened. They proposed Allegedly. that as a storyline in Jane the Virgin, and it was turned down because it was too unrealistic for a satire of telenovelas. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? They just can't go out their own way. It's fucking stupidly. As, as Mark said, the NHL is not does not care about fans. The fans make the NHL, not the way around. It's it's. It's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. The stance they take on certain things and the way they promote their, their own game. And the, yeah, not to, not to spend too much time on it, but the the advertising campaigns of even just the last two weeks 
are just nonsensical. Doesn't make any sense yeah. whatsoever. If they've invested any modicum of money in it, that has they've been ripped off. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. All right, let's move on. Last thing this week, obviously, still the off season. Um, RFAs, UFA signings, all that kind of thing. We'll run through these and get to the biggest one at the end. Jake Gardner to the Hurricanes, four by four point zero five. As long as his back stays healthy, this is an absolute fucking steal, mate. Like, <laughs> yeah, cra- crazy, crazy, crazy good contract. And the one thing that I will bring up in regards to Jake Gardner signing for was it four point zero five? Is it? Yeah, you can you can round it down to four million. Cody Cece makes uh <laughs> Four and a half million for the Toronto Maple Leafs for a team that wanted to keep him where he wanted to remain and where oh, that's a good point. Jake Gardner is an infinitely better player than Cody Ceci. They didn't have to sign him to that contract. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's a fantastic point. That is a fantastic point. Oh, it's just mental. Absolutely mental. I, I don't get it. The good news is the Hurricanes have now got a decent uh, defensive core because they've needed that for years, Finally. Honestly. Finally. <laughs> Finally. The missing piece. Mate, and if, if they manage to turn Justin Falk into, uh, into Andre Kasher, that's just going to be ridiculous. Uh, just cheating. Uh, you know, as it stands today, they can run out a decor of Slavin and Hamilton, Gardner and Pesci, then what, Hayden Flurry and Justin Falk on the, on the bottom pair. Uh, it's just... <laughs> Just stupid. Crazy. So, so, so very good. Like, Carolina are just making a mockery of it. Making a mockery of the league. I think... Just think, yeah, think about that as well. They got... They essentially got Jake Gardner and a first from the Leafs. (laughs) Yeah, in exchange for buying out Patrick Marlowe. In exchange for buying out Patrick Marlowe. That's just loopy. And, And... The news came out later on in the week that Jake Gardner refused an offer from the Habs at five point two five million over three years. That, which, yeah, go on. Sorry, because yeah. that, that's even more beautiful, arguably. Like, and and <laughs> yeah. why why would you be surprised? Like a player who's absolutely vilified in Toronto for being just a good top four defenseman, like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, not being the second coming of Bobby Orr. Why would he want to go to Montreal? Why would he I know. possibly want to go to Montreal? He would leave maybe the second most, I guess overbearing is the right word, but oh, not in a, you know, it's not always in the worst way, but it is It is an overbearing market in Toronto. It's, you know, they're constantly on top of you all the time, the media. Why would you leave there to go to the worst, most overbearing market in all of hockey in Montreal? Uh, what's the, um, I forget who, who gets the credit for this old line, but, you know, Montreal's the worst because, you know, you're wrong in two languages sort of thing. <laughs> that's a good. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's a good. Like line. you that's don't, good line. you don't want to just sign for an extra million just to be called a tabernacle. You know what I mean? Like fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Clayton Keller gets a, a big deal. Gets the big deal. Yeah, eight years at seven point one five. A lot of pushback on this from the analytics community. A divisive, um, divisive deal. Very divisive. What what do you, what do you think about it? I. Uh, <laughs> I forget what was I. Saying? I was listening to some old podcast because I'm a loser. Around the time it was just after back, uh, not back, David Backers. Um, he's not the example I'm going to use. Uh, <laughs> David Pasternak signed his deal. Oh yes, of course. And and at the time, like there was a bit of yeah, not as much pushback as Keller's getting, but there was. Oh, that's a lot of money for a player that maybe hasn't quite yet proven himself. Blah 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 blah. 
I, I know that yeah, the shot shares and stuff aren't all that for, for Keller last season or the season before, really. But I I think this could prove to be a very good deal in, in the vein of you know, your, your David Pasternak and, and I wouldn't go as far as Nate McKinnon, but you know, that sort of thing. Johnny Goudreau. Johnny Goudreau. There you go. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's going to be as good as Johnny Goudreau either, but I, from, a, from a stature standpoint, that's definitely a good comparison. Or it could be a terrible, terrible, terrible deal like a lot of the other Arizona deals are. So I, th- I think it's going to be all right. I think Keller's going to be Kessel-esque sort of thing, maybe a bit defensively liable, but still put up points. And as we said, you know, points are still useful because that means you're creating offense, but we will see. The only thing that, the only thing I get sometimes with analytics and stuff is you know that, of course I'm, stuck in that I'm kind of an old man mindset I am Mr. Intangibles I do think there is something to that and it's fine saying things about about Clayton Keller but analytics can't predict the future and like to come out and say immediately this is a terrible deal I mean you could be sort of cold takes exposed in a couple of years when he's racking up the points it might be a terrible deal it might not be you never know but for one of your premier young players if he comes in and says, I want eight years, and he's not breaking the bank at seven seven point one five, is he? You'd be like, you know what, yeah, that's that's fair enough. I, th- I think any I think any GM would take that deal. Yeah, it's 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 that one that we struggle with. We say, Oh, you shouldn't be overpaying for what players have done, you should be paying for what players are gonna do and then we vilify yes. teams for paying for, for potential sort of thing. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, and, and I think that Pasternak contract is the perfect example because at the time there was scepticism as to how good he would end up being and he's turned into, you know, nowadays one of, one of the best deals in the league, really. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And and the guy, what are they going to do? They've got to take that risk. They've locked him up for, for eight years now. He is their, their future of offence. All due respect to Barrett Hayton. You've, you've got to take that risk. Absolutely have to. Exactly. As mentioned, on close but not quite. The other end is scale. Jumbo resigns for one year at $2 million. Yeah, good. Good, I mean... Yeah, I agree. Venice is fine. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see We'll see how well he does the next few years, whether he's got room to grow, whether he's going to uh, live up to that <laughs> uh, that contract. Nah, what, what more could you want? What more could you I, I thought he'd come in cheaper than $2 million, to be honest, but... Good on. Really, I honestly, I thought this was about where he'd be. I honestly thought he'd be around about two. I, I just didn't think they'd have the space for it, but they're surprisingly further under the cap than I thought they would be. Yeah, and well, and interestingly, off the back of that, Patrick Marlowe. I think we just assumed he's just going to walk into San Jose on a on a league minimum, and it, maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he thinks he's worth a bit more. I I think I heard that they don't want him. Really? That that was what I heard. I don't ask me where I heard it from, but yeah, they they don't want him. They're not interested. Which is uh, well, to be fair, there you go. I can I can see why. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're now up to a, a whopping twelve forwards on the roster with two million in cap space left. Yeah, the Sharks. So congratulations, Doug Wilson. You are actually going to be able to ice a, a full team this season. You should be very proud He's of yourself. Done an amazing job. Yeah, fantastic. Considering he's spending, well, as we've discussed before, a lot of money on a lot of players. Anyway, uh, Zach Kerensky re signs with the Blue Jackets. According to 
and this is somebody I do trust a lot and go to a lot. According to Michael McCurdy, one of the, uh, how would you describe him? The unsung analytics godfather of this show, I would say. I think we both reference him, reference him plenty of times, and obviously the great work he does. Oh yeah, well I mean when Zakarensky. you can when you can create wonderful heat maps that allow you to to be an idiot and still understand the finer points yeah. of player impact around the ice. <laughs> what one more can you ask for? Exactly, he is a genius. Yeah, so according to Michael McCurdy, Zach Gorensky isn't quite as good as everyone thinks he is and benefited a lot from playing with Artemi Panarin. Yeah, that's that's going to be the interesting one. Um, yeah. I d- w- would you be surprised if I told you that every single member of that Blue Jackets team is going to have a down year next year? Uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> funny that. So I, I think it's a good, it's a good one. Both, both ways around because Wierenski through his whole career is trending in the direction of being a very good top four defenseman I don't know whether you necessarily yeah. call him a top pair defenseman like it depends on what you define as a top pair defenseman sort of thing but I think he's going to be Not good Myers, but carry on no, I, yeah. well, depends which way up you're looking at the uh, the lineup sheet for Myers <laughs> I think yeah three years five million chances are he will be worth more than that and if the market trends the way it's trending, and yeah, you you mentioned Tyler Myers when we said about who we said about someone else we're going to mention in a minute. Yes, <laughs> I think any young defender who's making less than Tyler Myers is probably probably worth it. <laughs> within yeah, I would agree. within reason. And I think it proves it proves the bridge deal isn't quite as dead as we thought it was. No, for, I, th- I think it's just going to become less commonplace. It's not going to be the standard. Yeah. Yes. You're gonna get. It's gonna be more for for interesting cases like Wierenski, who you know to an extent is betting on himself and stuff like that, and interesting. In relation then to as the aforementioned Tyler Myers, Josh Morrissey resigned this afternoon. Well, this afternoon wasn't it? A couple of hours ago. Yeah, I've um, with the Jets. I can't actually say whether it's happened or not because I've only seen you report it. So <laughs> I can confirm it has. I can confirm it is. A, it is all over the Jets' Twitter, so yeah. Eight years at 6.25. And uh, Mr. McCurdy has him as a very, very good second-pairing defenceman. Yeah, which is well, a good um, a good platform to grow from, because what, he's only 23 or so, I want to say? How old are you, Mr. Morrissey? Let's Maybe 24. 24, yeah. Oh, what a, what a second guess. It's a good bet to make on a, on a decent player, and again, like who who else do the Jets have in their D this year? Like yeah, exactly. The other side. Yeah, <laughs> similarly with the Coyotes and Keller, you've got to keep him. That's that's the that's the fact of it. Like yeah, I think it'd be it'd be good. How long was the contract? Sorry, I've tried to eight years. Eight oh years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go back and forth. Myself. I feel again if you can get if you can get if he if he like you say if he trends the right way and just carries on playing the right you know doing the right thing and can kind of keep growing six six and a quarter for a top pairing D I think he's good value definitely but then eight years so for, yeah I mean you got to pay someone for eight years haven't you you know well it finished when he's thirty three it's like Brent Burns signing his eight year contract when he's thirty three like. <laughs> Josh Morris's contract is going to finish when he's 33. <laughs> and, then he can, and then he can go to the yeah. Sharks to sign an eight-year contract. <laughs> Just to see at the end of Brent Burns' life as a 45-year-old so $8 million dollar D-man. 
I was going to say, yeah, look out for that top pairing on the Sharks in, in 16 years or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> George Morrissey and a 40-year-old Brent Burns. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, like you said, same with Clayton Keller. And, you know, the Jets are banking on him getting better and as he gets a bit older. And I think, yeah, sometimes you've got to pay these players. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, seven hours ago, the Jets had Dustin Bufflin, Neil Pionk and Tucker Pullman sort of as their three D men for next don't, year. So. Don't be disrespecting uh, Dimitri Kulikov. Or, he's not resigned. Oh, oh, you mean for the for the year after? Sorry, I thought you meant for Yeah, sorry sorry, yeah, not this season. This year, yeah, yeah, next yeah. season. Yeah, now they've got Josh Morrissey as well, which is fine. I mean it doesn't make up for the Josh fact Morrissey. that you've got <laughs> Neil Pionk and Tucker Pullman, but that's fine. Neil Pionk, fucking hell. Yeah, so I like yeah, I like the Morrissey deal. I think I think it's a I think it's fair enough. Like you say, yeah, uh, pay for what you hope they can do in the future, because yeah, you make a good oh, point. Mate. We vilify GMs for paying for previous work and not for future work. So yeah, and and at least like, I think I'd I'd be happier banking on Morrissey than I would Clayton Keller, providing the value of his contract for the length of it. Then yes, yeah, when you're comparing the two, that's crazy that Morrissey's only Jets defenseman signed. Two years from now. I mean, yeah, that is another. Yeah, that is a good point. As we were talking about the Jets only having three defensemen signed, not for this season, the season after. In theory, now they have one defenseman signed three years from now. Like they'll they'll probably lock up you know players like Sammy Niku and, and I would imagine Neil Pionk after they gave up a bit for him. Um, yeah, they've true. got. You know, they got us. Uh, there's somebody else I'm forgetting who's coming up. Oh yeah, they've got Vili Hainler and. In the draft this year, and Logan Stanley is oh, the other course, player yeah. I was thinking of. So yeah, their their future is bright, but it's again it's young players. So who knows what happens with young players as NHL and, twenty years trying and to teach will, us? Yeah, and will will the money be there once Lionel and Connor have signed? When when they sign for if they sign eleven million dollars each. Speaking of eleven million dollars, well, oh, um, Jesus, let's round out the show with this. It was reported today. And I'm using air quotes like a twat. Leaked information that young Mitchell Marner has turned down seven years at eleven million dollars. Let's have a wild speculation five minutes. Will what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think uh, Mitch Marner is the second coming of Osama bin Laden, and he <laughs> is uh, he is the enemy of the American people <laughs> and the Canadian. He deserves people. to die. Quite frankly, have you have you seen the video of? Um, Jeff O'Neill. I know what you're gonna. S- yes. Oh, mate. From the over. Have you seen the whole thing? The 20 minute from the over. Yeah, I, I listened to it at work today. So good. Yeah, me too. And I'm I'm 100 on the on the old dog bandwagon. He's been yeah, offered 88 million dollars. So he's not taking him. Stuff him. Like that whole bit where he's saying like, right, I put two things on the table. One's this 88 million dollar contract. The other one's a plane to Switzerland. If you don't want the contract, you can fuck <laughs> off. Like that's so Isn't good. That amazing. And then O Dog just kept going. It's 116 million dollars Canadian. <laughs> Getting so angry about it. But he's right though. He's right. If you're not going to take seven years at 11 million dollars, what? Are Who you do doing? you think you are, mate? Who do you think you are? But isn't it the best thing ever? Isn't it the best? I love it. Oh, it is fantastic. Is absolutely fantastic. I, yeah, like you said to me earlier that Mitch Myers is now your favourite player. I'm, I'm willing to sit with you. It's beautiful. I hope, yeah. I hope he carries on. I hope he comes out and he gets offered like every combination of contract under the sun, and he's just like not signing them <laughs> for whatever reason. 
I genuinely, I genuinely believe he wants the exact contract Matthew's got. He wants that five years. I can't even he wants remember what Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, five years, 11.6. I think he wants exactly that because he apparently, again, wild speculation, because no soap operas, whatever, but we love wild speculation. He apparently turned down three-year bridge at something like nine million and then seven years at 11. So clearly it's not term. Clearly it's not. It can't be money. I think he wants that exact Matthews contract so he can do the same as Matthews does. He gets to his five years, then he gets another massive payout. Well, no, the, the word is he wants shorter. He wants like a three, but at like a $12 million hit. So he, wa- he, wants, he wants it both ways. He wants it to be short and a high cap hit, which is just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Like he's... He's a good player. <laughs> he's a good player, but he's not. And it, I forget who was making the point, but like he's not in that position. I think I think it was Dan Grace Brown on Buck Soup. Like he's he's trying to act as if he's like a, a UFA or whatever, but he's not. Like he is under team control. He's not. I'm sure, he's had he's had good years, but he's not like a like. Yeah, Patrick Kane only got his ten and a half million dollar contract when he won three fucking Stanley Cups. Like, <laughs> and Patrick if, Kane got paid after he won three cups. Mitch Marner's had three decent seasons. He's, a, he's had a, and he's turning down eleven million dollars. One seventy point season. He thinks he's worth more than eleven million dollars. Get a fuck, son. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. Oh wait, no. Sorry, I'm looking at I'm, I'm looking no. at Matthews' stat line. I was thinking like I could just <laughs> no, yeah, have more than that. <laughs> oh mate, but right. yeah, Mana had a what a ninety. I think I think he's had two ninety point seasons. So I've made myself look like a right. No, he's had one ninety point one ninety point season. Yeah, so he's had one yeah. seventy point plus season. Dan, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was there you right go. the first time. You're right. Yeah, oh, mate, it's mental, and I love it. Absolutely love it. What more could you want? I love it. But again, you know what? Nylander didn't take a discount. Nylander held out for exactly what he wanted and got it. Matthews clearly didn't take a discount. Matthews walked in, was given a blank check to sign by fucking Wonderboy himself, Dubas, and Matthews got to sign his own contract. So if you're Mitch Marner and the two the two guys who have preceded you in signing their contracts got whatever they wanted, why would you not just say, well, why can't I get what I want then? This isn't fair. You're slighting me by offering me a paltry eleven million dollars when I want twelve. I think part of the problem is like the way he's going about it, though. Like credit to Willie Nylander, all of the the buzz around his contract last year was purely like an echo chamber of media, just speculating yeah. into the void. It was never like you never heard, oh, Willie Nylander's dad Michael is. <laughs> come out and say my boy is worth they should rewrite the CBA to pay my boy 25 million dollars a day and that's the thing with this Mitch Marner thing like the way that the team around him whether whether it is Mitch Marner or not is another question and I don't know for the sake of soap opera I love to think that it actually is Mitch Marner and he's a nasty little shit the way that they're behaving and the demands that they're making it's just, it's just awful. It's such bad PR. They're going about it in completely the wrong way. Two things. Isn't it insane? Isn't it insane that everybody in Toronto has turned on the Tor- on the Ontario boy and they all love Austin Matthews? Yeah. Oh, Isn't crazy. Isn't that crazy? It's beautiful. That's absolutely crazy. And here's the thing. 
This does not get brought up enough. This does not get brought up enough. And I mentioned this when it was signed. Austin Matthews and his team, they are geniuses because they signed their contract in the middle of the season when there was plenty of money rolling around and there was no problems and it was all done. And I said to you, whoever the last one is to sign their contract is going to have their back against the wall and it's all going to go wrong because they're going to because the Leafs are then going to have to push back and say, well, we can't now give you this much because the other two guys have got their contracts. And whichever round it was, you know, if there was if there was ten million dollars left, and Matthews was in was in Marner's position, maybe the same thing could be happening, because Matthews hasn't taken a discount at all. He's the highest paid player on the team. No, but then and, and he wasn't he wasn't UFA. You know, he, he was in the same situation. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Like it's not like he's had the had the thumbscrews put to him. But then if if what's come out is to be believed, it's not like Marner's had the thumbscrews put to him either. Eleven million dollars over eight years for a a good playmaking winger who arguably is that who right yeah whether you argue it or not the fact remains he's had his best statistical season while playing with John Tavares. Yeah, absolutely. He, he didn't. He, like it's, it's a fact that you can't dispute. He didn't put up ninety points without John Tavares. He put it up with. Whether you say that was because of Tavares or X Y and Z, like. That has happened. Like you can't. It's not again. I'll use Patrick Kane as the example. It's not like he's playing with fucking you know the carved out husk of Brad Richards and I don't even know who his left winger was that season. But like he's playing with a arguably top five centre in the league and he's suddenly put up ninety points. What a surprise! I know. I know. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, all right, just quick then. Would you rather have? We should do. Would you rather have Mitch Marner or Miko Rantanen? Well, I mean, Miko Rantanen seems to be, uh, you know, less high maintenance. So, <laughs> Miko Rantanen, Mitch Marner or David Pasternak? I mean, David Pasternak is signed, so David Pasternak. <laughs> Mitch Marner or Brad Marchand? That that depends more on context, because like Marchand's thirty now. That's true. But it's asking the question. Yeah, I don't care. Marshand. I would have traded Marner by now. Okay. Uh, Mitch Marner or Nick Ehlers? As I know you're a huge Nick Ehlers guy. Like, Marner is a better player, though. Like, Ehlers is good. Probably Nick Ehlers, because like, then you've got a few... Like, I... This Marner contract is not going to help the Leafs. Leafs rather like cause it, even if he signs for nine million, which you know is going to be a, a discount compared to what he's been offered so far. That's a lot of money to be tied up. Like if you can have, and I, I think in some ways you can be just as effective with Nick Ehlers compared to Mitch Marner, and then have some yeah. more money lying around to I don't know maybe sign a defender for next year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. If Marner signs. Okay, well done, but chances are now you're going to have three players making 11 million mm. or 11 million plus. Like you've got to build a team out of that now. That's you know, unlike as we as we, as we talked about with the Sharks and all that kind of thing. Like Dubas is going to have to earn his money every single season, chopping and changing. Yeah, that's that's absolutely it. Like you know, we we were saying before he got traded that you know Nazem Kadri is a is a luxury as a four and a half million dollar third line centre. Bloody hell, like, 
what you're adding, you're adding a third eight figure player to that team. Like that is a luxury that very few teams can afford. All right, three quick ones, one word answers: Mana or Gaudreau? Gaudreau. Mana or Taylor Hall? Taylor Hall. <laughs> yeah, what, one, Mana one's or... an MVP and one isn't Taylor Hall. I was yeah, going to ask the question: uh, Mana or Kucherov? Kucherov. Kucherov. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Mitch Marner is a bum, as predicted by Will Everett, as he picks every single other winger, apart from Mitch Marner, in these one-on-one comparisons. <laughs> What's he worth to you, then? About three million a year? Something like that, yeah? Uh, about, about that. I'd, I'd have him on a rolling uh, contract. <laughs> we'll start on league minimum. Pay as you play. Uh, he gets an extra 10k for every point he scores. Can I, have, can I have Mitch Marner on the bank staff? Is that possible? <laughs> on the temp agency. <laughs> Get him on the temp. Oh, there's a skit in there somewhere. The Mitch Marner temp agency. <laughs> I just you you look at the situation with Braden Point or the lack of situation with Braden Point for a yeah. better player who plays in a more important position. And like, yeah, it you know, it it rounds down to a similar situation to what we were talking about with Tim Thomas and players that we that we feel the absence of after retirement and players who we don't. Brain point is just keeping his nose to the ground. He might be in the negotiations kicking up as much of, if not more the, of a fuss than Mitch Marner. He might be demanding $13 million a season, but we don't know. So no public perception of Brain point has changed. All right, that's our show this week, folks. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can on the Twitters. I am at Dan Straight Edge. Will you are at... W-E-V-E-V-E-R-E-T-T at two Brits, one puck as well, number two, number one. Thank you to Mark for the interview. Will, any last words? All of this Mana stuff is moot until after the LTIR kicks in. Because the fact of the matter is the Leafs can't sign him today. They can't. They haven't physically got the cap space until after the first game of the season, I think, is when the LTIR kicks in, so David Clarkson and Nathan yeah. Horton come off. So they have some cap space to sign him. They still, I think, only have about $7 million in cap. So Yeah, it's about that. If he signs the second that he can, then I think all of this may have been a bit of a an exercise in futility, but that's when the real party starts, when he can actually be signed and he hasn't signed yet. That's when it's going to get really, really, really fun. Yeah, and for the sake of that, let's hope he doesn't. Okay. Anyway, take care, folks. Thanks a lot. We'll see you later. Peace.